Hello, welcome to Waiting for Game, podcast presented by Melee Stats. We are here, a historic episode, I will say. We are on the uh, the heels of one of the most dominated performances of all time. I'm not talking about Zane at Pound 2022. I'm not talking about Edwin's bets. I don't think he made any. I don't think he won. I'm talking, of course, about a historic summit run from none other than our guests, who we're going to get to in a second before we get to them. Of course, I've got my my wonderful co-host. He thinks that venue fee should be $50. It's Edwin <laughs> Budding. What's going on, Edwin? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I did not make any bets uh, over Pound. I did try to make a bet over King of the Cube over uh, Rishi's ca- uh, full cast of characters against 13 Spark Foxes. Uh, nobody would take me up on the bet. And I'm glad nobody did because I thought Rishi would easily win and in a way he did but uh he ended up losing because he let spark buy more foxes and as a result spark ended up winning the crew battle but i lost no money but i don't think that's what the people are here for right now (laughs) no i don't think so i think you're right we're here for obviously you know after two weeks of uh people joining the four timers club we have someone joining the third timers club we've got uh our guest for episode number 22 our guest for episode number 32, and I believe our guest for episode number 42, if I'm not mistaken, we've got Dark Genix. What's going on, Justin? Hello, I'm chilling. It's been a definitely very hectic last 48 hours, I will say. Uh, I, I believe so. Commentating Pound Top 8 with a snack. Shots to snacks. Amazing commentator. Uh, done some blocks before. And then uh, getting into Summit. Uh, voted in in first place yesterday with more votes than the entirety of all of my competitors combined. So truly insane stuff. Yeah. So, so obviously you you mentioned pound. Um, We've got a lot to talk about that. We're also going to try to try to maybe talk about uh, low tide city, which is coming up the next week. But first, before we get to any of that, we do have to talk about this run. This is, um, this is something that you have had in the plans for a while before even eligibility came out. Um, but like, let's let's go through this. You're no like this is not your first rodeo in terms of summits. But what made this the one that you wanted to go all in on? When did you first decide to run? So it all starts, I'd say, two or three years ago, actually, before I even made memes in tw- on Twitter, like very long time ago. Um, we've always had these two recurring jokes in the innards of new jersey and uh they, obviously they're both jokes never thought anyone would become serious about them one of them was a bunch of new jerseyans plan a trip to japan together we go to some japanese regional just beast out in japan go to akibara and such just have fun in japan that almost happened actually i was supposed to go with uh, maybe the former uh, NW- uh, nj number one peach oh, yeah. nj's finest a couple of others bambi never ended up happening but the other one that we had was the idea of what if a bunch of NJers just bought into Summit and just took over the Summit house for a weekend? Just chilled in California, got some NJer like meme pick in, and had a beautiful week in the lovely California. And as the time went by and New Jerseyans started like, you know, having more opportunities to qualify for Summit. And as I personally got a lot more experience with the Summit running process and the VIP meta, and started gaining, you know, notoriety and whatnot in the community for, you know, TOing or commentating or making memes or editing and stuff, you know. I was thinking, like, maybe it'll happen one day. And then I became eligible for Summit 11. 
through uh, top 64 at LICS. I think Edwin vanished. Summit 12, I Summit think, 12. right? Actually, I was, avail- I was eligible at Summit 11, too. Uh, oh, for, uh, for yes, LACS. Yeah, for yeah, LACS sorry. 3. I made top 64 at that, beating uh, Chem, 404 Cray, and I think Nubs, because Nubs beat Luigi Goshard. Is that, uh, is that when your ICs took the game off of Crudo, or is that a different tournament? Different tournament. My ICs beat Chem. <laughs> but uh, anyway... Summit 12, I was eligible for the same reason I was eligible for Summit 13. But either way, because I was eligible for summits, we started thinking, like, maybe this is going to actually be a thing. But at Summit 11, uh, it was the first time ever in the history of me supporting people for Summit that I had failed to help someone get into the event. Uh, I got sniped out by um, a a combination of Aklo and, I believe, one of the Falcons. And we had more votes than it would have taken for us to get kicked out. But because Magic didn't want to use them, we got sniped out with like 30 to 40k in reserves. Damn. And I was pissed. I personally was pissed because I have never failed the Summit Cannon before. So I was like, Summit 12, I'm getting you in. And I only, the only, I monetarily wise, the only money I spent was on the VIP that I personally bought to get into Summit 12. But anyway, anyway I'm going on a tangent right now. I get Magic into Summit 12 and I ask Magi, like, are you going to run for Summit 13? Like, what are we going to do? We got we to gotta step it up for the next one, you know? And she's like, I'm not running for this. I'm not doing this. And I'm like, I'm probably going to be eligible for 13. And I'm not going to be obligated to help Magi with her campaign. Maybe this is the one. So in early January, I started messaging a bunch of the NJers. Like, are you planning on running for Summit? Are you planning on running for Summit? And then after I got the no from Flex, because I think Flex at the time, like he was considered like a top 30 player. I think he's still like very, Mm -hmm. very good, but not like, in obvious contention for top 30. And when he said no, and when I realized that Ackle wasn't going to run either, and this was before J Mook made his like crazy yeah. Genesis performance, I was thinking like, this is going to probably be the only time ever that no one JRs are going to want to run, that Magi is not going to run. Maybe yeah, I'll kinda, just do it. Kind of opened up a path in a way. Yeah, exactly. So I contact all the NJRs and then wires and are like, are you going to run or? The ones who are considering it, I'm like, okay, I got X people to not run. I think I'm going to go for the bean pick run this time. And I've been planning this behind the scenes for like months and months and months. Getting the people who would want it from NJ, want to go as VIPs. Getting people to who want to run either talk to me about whether they want to run or not. Plans, 14, like Summon 14, etc. And here we are. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know what? You're you're kind of for for a run like this, you're selling yourself short a little bit. Um, I think the end here we are part is it took it took a little bit together. Obviously, mm-hmm. you did a lot to get here. Um, how much content did you create for this? I know that you're known as like a content creator in the scene, but I feel like every single week we were seeing like a new skit come out. So, first of all, first content creator at Summit, arguably, maybe depending on the definition. Uh, not FH gods. Yeah, I true. He was, he was a top player and is a top player. Maybe yeah. he's number two. We're going to find out in like two more lines on the column. But yeah, you know what I mean. We're going to find you know out soon I mean. enough. You know what I mean. But either way, either way. Um, I should probably have a question. What about the, what you, you planned a lot of skits? Yes, I did. Um, so I released a skit every single day from last Monday when voting opened. Until technically, I, op- I actually released a trailer on the Sunday, so I released a new video at the minimum one per day from last Sunday until Monday. I got in, 
So that is, I think, nine or I think in total, I released, I want to say 11 skits, including the Davinci uh, Voros twins yeah. talking about the ice climbers. There were also a, like, I think, three skits that I had either one is complete. And I never released it. Um, one skit that I was going to do that ended up not happening because of uh, issues with cameo.com. And then a third skit, which I might still release. But so I think I have 14 total, but three of them were unreleased. Yeah. Edwin, what was your favorite? I liked the um I like the banning battlefield one. <laughs> that one I, I thought was great. I thought uh thought your co-star really sold it. Shouts to Bambi. He uh, definitely did a lot of acting in uh that skit as well as the first skit to announce my nomination, where he beats mm. me over the head with a bottle. Uh, that was he he was a star he actually drove to the event starstruck which was happening in new jersey on april 9th that axis ran and he woke up early in the morning delivered a bunch of tvs uh to the starstruck venue drove over to my uh filming area filmed the two skits he was in and then drove back for his pool so shout out to bam a huge trooper helped out a bunch of that he's going to be one of the people coming with me to summit so it'll be cool to see him there for the first time all right, so I, I do have one question, and uh, it's, a, it's a tough one, okay? I, okay. You're going to have to really be prepared for this. Do well, you think that um, by virtue of you announcing that you are running, that do you think you deflated the field so much that they decided not to give it their all in the first round because you making it in through your contributions, your smart networking, uh, leveraged relationships, and track record of success do you think it demotivated the field the so round? are you before i answer this are you saying only in regards to the other players who are currently running for summit or are you talking about the field itself i think both okay. frankly so to answer your question for the field itself i already mentioned briefly that my running by its own existence was done in partial partially because of magi telling me in advance you would not run and additionally, right. me running knocked out the entirety of Tri-State from running. Because... Right, so what I'm wondering is if, like, say, S2J saw that you were running, and he was like, I have no fucking chance. And, well, or he saw, like, say, other, other say like, Moki maybe saw that you were running and thought, that Nate, the, you know. I was... think that if for a player like S2J or Moki, those players have such a huge fan base that, like, I think if they were to run and not even make content, they would get it for this level of summit um so here's a fun little tidbit uh both sora and kadoran agreed for me to like take their vip passes and decided last minute to run seeing how weak the field was mm. originally both sora and kadoran they are still in my planning discord right now uh additionally a lot of other of a, a bunch of the other candidates even before i got in had assumed that I would have gotten in and asked me for advice or for ideas of what the field was going to do because they were all just so confident that I'm trying to say this without sounding like cocky or whatever, but like I was asked by five different campaigns who were not me for like my info and stuff because they knew that I was going to get in. Or that yeah, was... they knew you're the guy to go to. Exactly. And also because like you said, with just success and knowledge of the uh, field, Kadoran had a two and a half hour long voice call with me yesterday talk about what he's going to do to get into summit and his plans for wednesday spoiler alert but uh 
not that you know i mean he's a top 10 player he's getting in but um in regards to the field itself because that 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 answers the field itself and i actually have a full list i'm not going to go into right now but i have a list of players who like to my knowledge did not run or nominate themselves specifically because of me or in to some degree because of me and that list of players is like 25 people and you don't feel like revealing this list of players right now no I, I don't want to reveal a list of players because there are a couple of people who I think are were not would were not like coerced to do so. They were more so like they wanted they were considering running and someone else told them not to run because they didn't want to contest me, or someone did not want to run or w- wanted to run but did not run but they wanted to run. You know. Mm. So in other words, not they saw that positive. you controlled you know some part of North Jersey. And they immediately realized that it was not wise to encroach on your yes. territory. Like, for example, um, as an example, Swooper wanted to run. And I already mentioned to him, like, this, I'm, I, I want to say this is not like a, in a non-threatening way. He's also another VIP that's coming to me, one of my friends. And it's like, he said he was considering running. And I was like, I know that you want to run. And I, I would like you to get in as well. And I'm down to help you in the future. But also just consider, like, if you run, it will split us both. And I will also, I'm down to help you as a VIP regardless and it's like he's an example of someone who's like you know it was fine with it but there are some people who like i know were tipped off by people who were helping me try to get in and are not from jersey and it was like i'm gonna run and x mysterious benefactor who's not me tells them you shouldn't run dark gen x is gonna do some crazy stuff and you cannot you you just you can't beat him yeah i i think um it's kind of an interesting thing right this has uh like obviously there's the there's the p-taps tweet right where it's like you know no one enters a nomination phase and then people see that it's a weaker class than normal so then they all enter right mm-hmm. um the kind of like you are here type tweet but we didn't really see that this year um i i think that you know calling a spade a spade this is probably the weakest group that we've seen this far uh, yes. i think when it actually is all said and done and when people get voted in it's not going to actually seem that much weaker um than like a normal year will but mm-hmm. but like for the people who we have running um there's some huge names missing yes so we're at a point right this is summit 13 they've mm-hmm. been doing this for a while there's been a lot of different uh you know ways of getting in the meta currently is obviously through vips um like this, do you think this needs to change? Do you think there is a change that needs to be made from BTS? Uh, two things on this matter. So the first, I think one of the reasons that the field is a little bit weak this time around is because, and I'm not saying this by any sort of like complaint or anything to BTS itself. And also like, you know, the amount of votes I got, like I was preparing for the strongest summit possible, even if I was against like the caliber of like, Theoretically, a Moki and Amsa and Axe summit, I think I still get in with what I would have done. It yeah. would have just been a lot more difficult. Like I, I was planning for the absolute hardest summit possible. It just so happened that that wasn't the case. But either way, I think that the field was a lot less strong than it has been in the past. One, because of... I Like people say it's the merch shop. I actually don't think the merch shop has anything to do with it. I think that it's the timing. Because, for example, Ginger was going to run for summit and didn't know that Optin's closed because he was at genesis because nomination phase was during genesis voting wise i have like i I lurk in a lot of twitch chats i don't talk very much in a lot of chats but i, I lurk I, I watch sometimes and i've seen there was one comment that i got from like that someone said in ibw's chat this morning 
And he said, I didn't even know Summit was happening until someone retweeted a Dark Genic skit. <laughs> and if you think about it, this Summit phase, this entire voting phase up until yesterday was in between two tournaments. All of the big top players who normally, you know, they're watching people get into Summit. They're endorsing their friends. They're seeing, you know, who's going to get in. They're watching the voting because always they have people watching the voting. Not a single person was live watching me get in at 3 p.m. yesterday because all the top players were coming home from pound or they were yep. resting. This entire summit season up until today and yesterday has been like that. There's been no advertisement. There has been a frenzy skit, which I think was very funny. It was really good. Uh, there have been a handful of little posts before today, but the only person who was like, frankly, I didn't have to campaign. I didn't have to like dump a bunch of videos. I did it because I wanted to, you know, I thought it'd be fun and also, you know, get my name out there a little bit more. And also just an excuse to post content because I, I genuinely do doing this kind of stuff. But I like, I didn't have to do any of that, but I did, but no one else was doing it. In the summits of the past, we've seen Bobby Big Balls make rap, you know, diss track, uh, the army diss track. We've seen Magi Subathon stream for days and days and days. I helped with her campaign and she streamed like, I think, I want to say at least over a week straight without stopping yeah. and yeah. organize a bunch of stuff. And what have you seen this campaign, like this season? Very true. Yeah. Now this has been something where I think you're right. There are, there are a lot of um, reasons as to why a lot of these top players aren't doing this. It's definitely not greatest timing wise, but I, I think that we're kind of building up on this thing that's been happening the past few summits. So there's a bit of malaise. Um, I know. So I was talking to none at pound, of course, at the, uh, the famous Cecil's, you know, Legendary bar. Uh, Cecil's the best bar in Laurel, Maryland, uh, for anyone who's around. But yeah, we, we were talking about Summit, and he was saying that, yeah, he wasn't going to campaign. He made it in because he did well at Genesis, but he wasn't even thinking about campaigning. And I, I, I do think that there's a little bit of that going through these top players, is that it's the grind of it. It's the, um, you know, just the, the knowledge that it doesn't really matter how good you are, right? So being good at getting into Summit is a different uh, skill. And yes. it's, you know, that's might be daunting to these players. Um, I, I do think that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I pro you, of course, you've been on our show three times. I'm pro Yingling. And, and I definitely think that summit is something that it requires a different skill. It's not about being the best. If it was about being the best, then they would invite 16 people, right? That's not really what summit is. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that the, the lack of people of top, top players, right? The, the, like the top echelon um, not campaigning is a little worrisome. You know, in the melee sets discord the other day, we were talking about this and uh, G Tom Tom from New England mentioned the idea of going to one summit a year to combat this. What do you think about that? Edwin, I know you, uh, you're, you're fellow New England. What do you think about this idea? Uh, I mean, no, I think, I think summit is, is just, it's a big enough and really important enough event that the scene would benefit from having, having more of it there. If anything, I think that, um, I think that a lot of the players that we typically see, like maybe campaigning for summit and like sitting out this one, they've already gone to the event. As mm -hmm. long as the, as long as summit is able to, you know, run enough or maintain enough money to justify its existence multiple times a year or versus once, I think, I think having more of it would be good as, as far as I, uh, 
as far as I'm, as far as like, you know, the scene is concerned, we, we have a pretty deep bench right now. The field is really strong. We got, we have so many players that would benefit from the opportunity. And even as far as like quote unquote meme picks go or whatever, at least as, as a spectator and as, as someone who's enjoying watching this, it's, it's a lot more ways and directions to get invested in the scene and a lot more things to follow. And I, I think I said this before, like literally a minute, like maybe seconds ago, but I, I really want to reiterate on that point. Like the scene truly has a deep bench. Like if Johnny is not going to be at summit or if Moki's not going to be at summit, like there will be another player there whose presence is going to be a value add to people watching the event. And that will make the event really cool. I have a lot of faith in the community to, you know, and enough of us and, and our ability to pick exciting players or exciting people at the event to make it to make it thrilling. So no, I don't think that um I don't think that one summit a year should I, I think the only way that I would say that one summit a year should be the model is if like BTS cannot sustain more than one a year. But that that's a whole other conversation. I don't know what their finances look like. I don't know what the I don't know what the revenue. You're so you're also finance brain, man. Uh, but no, I, I I agree with you. I my thought on this is that <clears throat> what what we lose, right? Quote unquote lose from these top players not deciding to campaign um, is pretty marginal, and I think it doesn't outweigh what we gain from having two summits a year. Um, because when you think about it, what do we currently have? We have a summit that yeah usually invites like you know six people or so it, because of online because of the pandemic it's changed what it used to be um but let's call it six they invite six people so you have the definite six best players probably and then you have four people who get in through an event um so you can call that you know maybe not the bona fide top 10 but let's call it 10 top 15 players right um six voting slots maybe we'll call that one to two players will be top 15 or so where we're seeing Kadorn, um, who's has a lot of votes right now, almost made it in yesterday. Um, actually just like barely got edged out in the last, uh, like couple minutes by Sora. So let's call it like 11 to 12, uh, top 15 players. We're going to see if you had a normal summit, a sum summit, like we did in the past where S2J went four times in a row or right after those summits, um, would probably have 14, 15 players in the top, uh, 15 or so. Yeah, maybe it was all the top 15. Um, and that that's really marginal to me, right? The difference of like two, three, four top 15 players, um, it really doesn't make me say that we should get rid of it because what it always brings is it always brings, it's always an opportunity for that top level talent to get there. But what we currently have right now is we have an opportunity to show off these players. Um, I think if we have one a year, I don't think we're getting Aklo in. I don't think Logan's getting in. Um, there's all these people who used Summit as a huge opportunity to show themselves. Not even talking about Yingling, right? Yingling's brand boomed because of Summit. But I'm just talking about, like, what they actually got to show through the game. Um, there's so many IBW? players who were... I mean, be a great example. Yeah, there's there's all these players who probably would not be able to benefit from one Summit a year who are able to do it from two Summits a year. So maybe, you know, do I miss the days of being, like, like knowing that every top player is there, Wizzy's not there. We Wizzy's not there. He missed his chance to be there. He's not. He doesn't feel like campaigning, right? He's not the campaigning type anymore, um, and that's a shame. I would like to see Wizzy Nevet. He's one of the best players in the world. I don't know how good he is, but like the fact that that is that our value loss here from going to one. Yeah, I mean, as as long as they can run them, 
um, which I mean, they seem one of the more. Well, I'm sure it'll be brought up later, but they seem one of the more um, like locked in financially uh, of any large event. Yeah, as long as they can run them, I, I think two is a perfectly fine number to see. I also have one other thing on that, which I think is really interesting, because right now in the last three-ish summits, I'd say like three summits, basically since nine. Actually, no, I'd say nine was also kind of like this. It's been a lot of different picks, like a lot of players who get voted in who were not necessarily established at the time or as established Mm -hmm. or players who are trying to prove themselves like at 11, you know, Aklo and Logan at 12, the first summit where every single player took a set. I would say the I would say the only established vote in at that time was Magi, who at summit nine was not an established top player yet. Mm -hmm. was just coming off of a Genesis uh, manga one, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. Was that the year before? That was, uh, no, that was that year. Yeah. And I find well, it that was the year before. If you're talking before, if you're talking about nine, it was the year before that. Okay, but either way, like but yes, not yeah. an established, established top player, you know? No. And like, like she was like around like 50 ish at the time. I'm pretty sure and, I had her at not my not top, like not in my top 50 on my, wow. my ballot. Yeah. I think she got probably ranked around like 46, 47 that year. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the point of what I'm trying to bring up is that it's fun. I think it's interesting like, as someone who's always, like, loved spectating and watching Melee and, like, following the scene, even before I was, like, a person in the community, like, I remember people complaining when SJJ got, and I love SJJ, I really like SJJ and love his play, and I hope he becomes active again. I remember people complaining that he got to, he went yeah. to five summits in a row, and they were saying they want to see more people, they want to see different talent. And SJJ is a very strong player, and at the time, you know, obviously, like, top 10 pick or top, like, 10, 15 pick, but people want to see different people. And now we're seeing different people mm-hmm. and people want to see the established top players again. It's like, I feel like the community at large just likes to complain a lot. They want things that aren't there in a lot of situations, not necessarily just with this. You saw all the discourse. Uh, well, oh, we're day. getting into we're it. We've got to, but we're going to get, you know there. what I'm saying? What I'm saying yes. is people want what is not available to them and people do not like what they have. Yeah. The and grass is always greener on the other exactly. side. It really. So, and I think that if, for let's say some because I have heard from the grapevine that some 14 there are a lot of players who are interested in running as a result of what has gone on in the last week. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see if assuming they you know stay true to their word, a very difficult summit season for 14. I'll say this one isn't difficult, but a more challenging summit season because of the level of competition and the notoriety of the people running. I would if that happens surprised. for a couple summits in a row. Mm-hmm. What are people going to say if the same X people get in every summit again? Because I don't think the viewers are going to be happy with that. I would not be surprised if Summit 14 does see a a change to how voting's done in in some way. They're they've usually been pretty good about um, like finding the trends and then understanding uh, what to do with them. A little slow in the uptake sometimes, but um, definitely receptive to what the community wants and, and is always able to provide that eventually so it's it'll be interesting to see some of 14 regardless if the voting change or if it hasn't you know with these the top level competition or if it's going to be somewhat similar this year um whatever happens some of 14 voting will be you know it'll be just as fun uh, before we go on to the next topic i guess we have you know we have you and we have sora who made it and we've got four slots open do you just want to go through a quick uh quick guess like predictions as to who's going to get in next predictions of who i think okay so i think four players okay you you want me to guess my four who i think is gonna get in yeah i think kadoran is getting it like i would bet 
a stupid amount of money that Kadoran gets in tomorrow. I think, I mean, he is the like objectively the best player out of the entire nominations that's running. He's literally streaming on TMT. I gave him a lot of advice yesterday in regards to what he should be doing for his campaign and how to get money. If even if he does not get in tomorrow, he gets sniped out by two people. He has man, he is a side character in the Mango Cinematic True. Universe. That that gets you very far with regards to Summit. Geo last Summit as an example. So he's getting in. And he's on FlyQuest too. Like they have money. There, there's mm. no shot. He does not make it in. No shot. Literally zero shot. He is the one person I would like bet my life that makes it in. So that's an obvious one. Uh, a certain British actor just mm. endorsed Frenzy on Twitter. Additionally, Frenzy. <laughs> I don't know what. I, I'm just stating facts right now. Sex True. education on Netflix. But uh, was yeah. an actor. That actor is British. And said actor did endorse Frenzy. Uh, I think that Frenzy is also one of the only people I've seen who's actually been putting out content and streaming mm. regularly the entire time. In some part due to not being at Genesis or Pound. Because he's in yes, Europe. Yeah. But regardless, has a pretty solid campaign going for him. I think they, the Europeans have something planned. He's asked me also for advice on stuff. I think, I think he'll get in. I think I would say I think he gets in tomorrow unless Indiana has something planned. Um, I think that Salt. This is hard because the thing is, like, yeah. there's all the. I think the two people who are guaranteed are Kador and Frenzy. Those two are just like 100. percent Feels like a little bit of a coin toss for the others, right? Yes, because like, I think the two people in the red are not making it in right now. I think that's like, I I love Saeed and Sidward's a beast. I don't think either of them make it in. I don't think either of them are going to go for bombs. And I know Sidward is like literally said in melee stats. He doesn't want people giving money to him. So I don't think we're going to see anything crazy. I would like to see Logan at Summit. I actually think Logan would do very well against this field. And I would like to see, I, I like to see Logan again. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well the, pl- the campaign is going on Logan's end, but I would like to see, you know, Logan at Summit 13. I know Salt has a jersey. Uh, with plant like a uh, ads on the jersey, and I think Salt's one of the like most uh, like by results most fierce up and comers mm-hmm. of 2022, and I think seeing Salt in will be really good as well. I don't know how much money Salt has. I don't actually think Mech has anything right now. But to tell you the truth, I think Mech is kind of coasting on people watching the stream. And I think if Mech gets in, it's going to be because one of his viewers or himself will do some sort of fiscal decision, wh- how whether it is responsible or not, to get himself in. But I can see Mech getting in by that way only. Hmm. And I would like to see Mech there. We'll see. I-, I actually would like to see basically anyone out of this. I, I think this roster. is a really fun crew, but I guess we and, got two slots. So yeah. it comes down to the last two. Who are you calling And Blue. Out? That's where I'm going to start with. Yeah. I think Indiana used everything they had mm. uh get it trying to get blue in i know that pulse gaming bells has some money and um here's a spoiler one of my vips didn't drop mm. and contacted blue mm. to give those votes so i think i think we might see blue tomorrow if Lindsay doesn't drop the bomb I agree with your picks. Yeah. Um, if I had to go with it, I would probably say Kadoran Frenzy. And then it's a toss-up between others, but I think, you know, Logan, he's done this before, obviously. Um, and I'll go Blue. Blue would be a fun pick. 
definitely an up and comer. I mean, all of these people are up and comers for the most mm-hmm. part. Even even the people like you know Frenzy, who we've known about for a while, still amazing, still mm-hmm. getting better. Like every time he goes to a tournament. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see. I think this is going to be a fun crew, but I, I agree with your picks right there. Uh, Anok, you agree with that as well? Or do you think? Yeah, I think that's going to be pretty... a little bit of a. No, I think it seems in. pretty good. I, I'm going to go with Kadoran and Frenzy. Uh, and then uh, for the other two, I'm going to say Blue and Salt. I yeah, think Salt okay. will have uh, some of the all-chat boys behind him. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it'll be fun to see. Um, I think this will be... Yeah, it, it's a it's a bit of a different summit. But, but uh, you know, right now we've not had a bad summit. And, you know, this doesn't break that streak. Yeah. Uh, speaking of break, streaks... Oh! Sorry, sorry, one thing. I just want to say one thing. Yes. All Chinese Sports is actually supporting Kadoran. They're, they, they're not supporting away. Salt? No, they're supporting Kadoran. Mm. So, okay. okay. Streaks. Um, but yeah, no, I think this uh, this summit's going to be good. I don't think it's going to end that streak. Speaking of streaks, we talked about it last week. We talked. Zane had just come off of winning Genesis. We talked about his, you know, fate going into Pound. Pound was kind of going to be not really make or break necessarily, but it would be the uh, like approving grounds for Zane. Zane is an incredible player, but whose reputation as this kind of like untouchable God level player um, doesn't actually have a ton of uh, in person results to really back that up. So it's events like this, it's events like Pound, it's going to be events like Summit, especially, um, that are really going to prove if Zane deserves that title um so after we saw his first place victory at genesis he follows up with a first place victory at bound of course um he double eliminated hbox he beat leffen chic uh after a tv change which we might hear a little bit about that but um <laughs> this was that. yes you did i want I, I i was uh watching that on mute in a um where was i i don't know some restaurant but um some, some restaurant where I probably spent too much money. But uh, yes, it, very, you know, this is a good event for him. I think this is one where coming into it, it looked a little bit scary, right? Leffen's always uh, going to be a scary person for Zane, especially after their um, 5-1 exhibition set went in Leffen's favor. So going to this, he, um, he had a little bit to prove, and I think he came out of it. And uh, his, like, reign as a number one player is, is more cemented. Um, Edwin, I know we talked about this last week. We, we kind of agreed that this is an important event. What was your uh, takeaway from this? Uh, as far as Zane's concerned, you know, I, I gotta say, I think that, uh, so again, it depends on how you count online or not. Right. But in terms of, uh, where Zane has competed, he's been quite dominant. He's winning three very big tournaments. If you don't count online, winning the first two really big tournaments of the year. It should feel like great. Like this is this monumental thing. And it probably is in some way, but it's coming in a very different context than the kind of, you know, like blazing starts to a year or number one, number one stresses we've come to think of, right? Usually when we think of number ones, we think of them, we think of them beating their fellow peers, right? You think of Armada just like, tossing hungry box aside beating new to king like beating beating mango like every like within this elite stratosphere of people you usually think when you think of a number one you think of them just like beating everyone back to back and you and leaving the rest of us being like wow who can stop that person right 
with Zane, it's it's a little different. <laughs> with Zane, it's like we're in this like massive chasm, right? And everyone's like clawing at each other, and like like people are falling down. You're seeing some of the best players in the world lose, and like winners quarters or you see them lose before top eight and all all this stuff and, and for whatever reason zane just has this like aura surrounding him that lets him that lets him beat these other people and frankly look quite ahead so the whole t- so you know i i've seen a lot of people compare him to armada and armada was really good right and in a in a consistency sense i see what they mean but I actually think it's a little more like Hbox near the end of his prime, where hmm. Hbox had people that we knew could challenge him. We Hbox had people that we thought, okay, like you know, maybe Hbox is still favored, but if he's got X into Y into Z, like this is going to be a hard bracket for him, right? With Zane, it's like, well, like they got to make it to him first because this field is so hard. So. It, it almost feels like the ability to compete against, you know, people ranked eight to like 25 or whatever, right? That whole tier of player that, that we used to kind of, you know, that could occasionally scare the top tier. They, they seem to be beating the top tier a lot more than usual, but for whatever reason, Zane is just immune to it. So it's a very, so in some ways it's incredibly impressive and historic, and in other ways, it's indicative of this incredibly unusual era of mm-hmm. competition and what we value in a number one player and what it takes to win a super major. So it feels like we're learning a lot, but it also feels like we have a lot of questions. Have we not seen a Mango Zane offline set yet? We saw Zane get pushed to the brink first by Cody. We mm-hmm. saw him lose an exhibition set to Leffen. We know mm-hmm. he can lose a single set but is it going to happen at a tournament where where those players have to make it through all these other people is a because it seems like zane in in a weird way is a it seems like we know he will be there right and that that wasn't always the case with zane with with zane in the past even when he was number one you know like you did have to worry about axe you had to worry about um you know plup like a little bit before he was number before zane like really took off but uh we're just we're in this very unusual period where beating the field and making it deep in bracket itself is it's not a commodity that we can take for granted from from a top five player anymore. And in that sense, Zane, I mean, he, he really stands out. That's my takeaway. I think that um ever I mean, even that the year when Zane and Wizrobe were in contest for like five and six, I mm-hmm. think it was five and six that year. Yeah, um, it was a piece. By the way, Zane deserved to be ranked sixth. Yeah, he did. That was a correct decision. I'm just, I'm just bringing that up, but it, it was a debate. I'm just saying. But uh, regardless, even in that period of time, Zayn was extremely consistent. I'm fairly certain mm-hmm. that whole year, I'm pretty sure he only lost the top ten players. I think he was getting clutch godded a lot, though. Yeah, yeah, a ton. But yeah, and what I'm saying is that like he's always been very good against the tier underneath, like the tier he's been in. Very. very Throughout Melee, ever since he like rose to being a top 10 player. And right now, in this field of Melee, it's also... I mean, this is no discredit to Zayn either. It's very impressive everything that he's doing. And he's very obviously number one in the world right now. But no argument against it. And it's also worth noting, like you said, there is a field of player that can challenge him. There is 
but Cody took him to game five. Leffen won five to one in their exhibition. Even the set that he had with Leffen, although it was 3-1 and although it was plagued with television issues, the games were pretty close. Yeah. It, Zane also dropped games to Logos, dropped game to Logan, uh, Logos at Genesis, Logan at uh, at Pound, etc. And it's also worth noting, like what Edwin said, so in tw- leaving 2021, the top five was are like very obviously like the top four was by results in some order. You know, Mango is in there, Cody's in mm-hmm. there, uh, Plop's in there. You could say Leffen is in that, but wasn't really super active. But Leffen's in that in that tier as well. Mm-hmm. All four of those players at every tournament they have entered in 2022 have underplaced their seed at every event, and it is both indicative of the field itself getting stronger, but also just like how above Zane is from the rest of the field because those people can challenge him, but like what Edwin said, you have to get to Zane to prove mm-hmm. it. And it is getting harder and harder to get to Zane because of how much stronger the field is. It's not like we are in a five gods era where there are five ish people who can only beat each other and no one and no one can touch them aside from an occasional upset. That's not what we're seeing right now. And it's been it's pretty early into the season uh of melee, which seemingly might be pretty short if uh the season ends in June as intended. Uh, but yeah, if uh, pandas ain't yeah. you say about it. Yeah. But which regardless, it's like with the limited data we we have right now, it seems that everyone is upsettable. And that makes not that it makes Zane's life easier. I mean, there's obviously very strong opponents, but it makes it so there's always that little asterisk behind whether Zane's number one is as dominant as it looks because of the head to heads. Yeah, so Zane is interesting, right? Zane is a player who I mean, we talk about his perception as this like Titan, right? And it's not wrong because he was perceived like that. Even 2019, he seemed like this player who going to a lot of things, it's like, how do you beat this guy? Now, 2019, a lot of people were. That was the issue, was that he would get himself into a lot of situations where he'd be in grand finals, winner side, maybe, you know, pretty, maybe even very dominantly he'd get there in the case of something like Big House Nine, um, but was not able to really clutch it out against the, the top echelon of players. But now we've seen his play versus them is it's, you know, he's finally living up to this idea of like the guy to beat, right? Going into a lot of events, people are were, were saying like, I feel like this is Zane's event, right? But we've had events where we say, I feel like Zane is supposed to win this. And then it's Summit 11 and he doesn't. Or it's Summit 12 and he doesn't even get to grand finals. Um, but we're finally seeing this, this like promise of Zane come true. Um and I, I think I need to see Summit. I need to see what happens at Summit because right now I'm not convinced that another, you know, Summit 11 or Summit 12 could occur again. Um, but when I think about it rationally, when I look at who's could do this, right? I think Leffen can do it. I think Axe can do it if if Axe is there or gets, gets to Zane. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe it's getting need- harder now too. Well, getting easier because he might be like a 16 seed. <laughs> so we're, we're like back to where it's getting easy. But but I'm not even sure if that's someone who is even like incredibly scared of right now. Yet the people who are scary for Zane, we need to see them. You guys are right. Like I mentioned how I don't think Plup is someone who Zane can like, I would, I would handily bet on Zane beating. We've not seen Plup get to that level where he can play Zane. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to what Summit holds because Pound was the like you know it was the proving grounds for Zane. Like, could can he can he do this? I don't think he's ever won a back to back major. This is probably his first time. Um, and I'm not counting online, so I'm not going to say back to back to back. This is not the three P like Edwin thinks it is. But we'll look to see if Summit's the three P because that will be the one that is like defining. That is, you know, that is the um, like era defining best player that um, we that everyone like thought Zane could be, right? You know, is he the Armada? Is he the H box? We mentioned these corollaries, but he hasn't really lived up to it yet. And I think this is what we're seeing. And and with what it looks like right now, I think he can. And I want to talk about what you guys mentioned. I was watching Pound, and I, don't think, I was watching Pound in the venue, but not watching the mainstream setup because it was incredibly hot and cramped in there. But I was in Zandu watching it. Um, and I was thinking to myself, not so long ago, there was a time where you could be a top 10 in the world and you didn't have to have a Godwin. I believe in 2017, Shroom got ranked, um, I think he was 10th. I think it was the same rank that he was the year prior, uh, the year when Swedish Delight was 11th. I don't think he had, I think he was like 0 and you know, 10 against the top five. And it's amazing to me that there was a time when I was into Melee that, that seems like not too distant ago where you could be a top 10 player if your resume was just doing well versus other top 10 players and people below them. Because what we've seen now, you guys are right. The bench is deep, right? In order to be top, like if you got a top five win, that doesn't mean you're top 10. We've seen so many people do this that it's, it's really amazing to, to see like how much in flux we are. And that's part of why I'm a little scared to say that this is Zane's moment. I think if it all works out and the scene is in flux except for him and he's just, you know, beating everyone who can get to him, then he's definitively number one and probably the strongest number one that we've seen since, you know, 2018 H-Box or, you know, Armada during his his run. Um, but if he's in that, if he's in that tier where, like, you know, maybe he loses to Axe, maybe he loses to Leffen. If he's in the, in the flux, then uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's also allowed to lose. Like, he yes, could true. feasibly lose a set to Axe here or there. He loses a set to left near. I actually think that he would do fine against Axe. He plays Swift so much nowadays. But uh, but even Cody, even Cody could be scary for yeah, him. We Cody, saw Cody. He could lose to break. Cody. He could lose to Leffen. But the point of the matter is, like, if even if we get to the point where he is, you he, he can still lose. If the field is also losing more than he does, and he is dominating most of the field, he still remains a very dominant number one, even if his records are not flawless, which at the moment mm-hmm. so happen to be flawless. Yeah, like maybe that's the skill. It's, it's like the 2019 H-Box thing, we, right? Where it's like, is he the best player in the world? Uh, like maybe, maybe, maybe not. not <laughs> but in, in a given bracket, in a given bracket, he is the most reliable to make it to grand finals that's not true. Win there. Not in right? 2019. Well, 2019, he attends stuff, right? We're counting, <laughs> we're counting Wizzy and Leff DQing or just not showing up to events. We'll see. Also, I said 2018 HBox. I think about 2017. Well, yeah, 2017, even he only had that one stretch at the end of 2017. Yeah, the, the last like four months or something where he went. Berserk. So, yeah, I mean, if Zane is able to put together a year that is going like it's going, he doesn't have to win everything. 
I don't think that's, you know, feasible with how good our scene is for everyone doing anything. But if he puts together a year that he could put together starting so far, you know, winning Summit, winning a couple more events, that's the most dominant since Armada. I'm, I'm willing to say it. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about HBox here. I, I think we're talking about, you know, this this type of, uh, like, what the scene's looking like, top 10, everything like that. We mentioned our top 10-ish. We didn't really rank it, but we mentioned who we think the top 10 players are in the world last week. Um, and I don't think that really changed. I, I definitely think what the top 10 is is basically just, like, you're, you have to cut off all these people who are very, like, likely top 10. You know, the top 15 right now we have is so strong. But let's go up to the top. We all agree Zane's number one. But the question that I have to ask you guys after HBox's fifth place at Genesis and his second place at Pound is, is HBox the second best player in the world? Edwin Budding, what do you think about this? Uh, I think uh, I'm going to go with the lame answer here. I'm going to say no. I don't, I don't think Hungrybox sell is me, second. Sell me on someone. I think it's Cody. I think when you, when you look at Co- when you look at Cody's resume since like uh, since what late December or so, I I still think his Smash Summit twelve victory has to mean something. And I think even for his offline uh, losses, they're not like they're not quote unquote bad losses. Like we, I mean, who know who knows what a loss or any set against JMook means, right? That could be anything from like top five to top 15 based on based on what that means right so you have one loss in ambiguous ter- territory for what it could possibly mean at a tournament where cody basically beat uh other than zane like everyone else right you have that you have a winning smash summit 12 you have his pound performance which he did place out of top eight but you look at the you, you look at who he lost to lost to Kadorn, okay, so like a, a borderline or like maybe active top 10 player right now, and you have him losing to Amsa, who we all who we all see as like cleanly top 10, right? So it's like... And his, uh, his, his nightclub VIP performance losing to Aklo and Super. Yeah, losing to Aklo, that that was, an, and, and losing to Super, admittedly, admittedly pretty, pretty weak. But I think his Smash Summit 12 victory and the kind of highs that we've come to associate with Cody's ability to compete against the top tier play... Unless we see him lose again to the field, you know, maybe if if he finishes out of top eight at Smash Summit 13, if we see him like, I don't know, maybe drop a set to Pipsqueak and then lose to some someone else in loser's bracket or something, then yeah, I, I would reconsider uh, how meaningful or predictive his Smash Summit 12 victory is. But until then, uh, I I think he's really solid and I think he's going to have a pretty great function coming up. I think he'll do well at Summit. Justin, what are your thoughts on this? Here's my my pragmatic answer on this, is that by raw results, as in results which will count for the MPGR in June. Yes. By objective results, as in like head-to-heads, and if you want to talk about placements, because we've literally had like two to three tournaments placements-wise, it is Hungrybox. Hungrybox has the best resume from May, from March of 2022 until right now there have also been no tournaments from march yes. 2022 until now which is why me saying hungry box is number two by results i believe means virtually nothing yes it is ignoring <laughs> the fact that cody won smash summit 12 like two weeks before the season's end and 
that Smash Summer 12 victory is amazing. I think, I think even by like raw skill wise, I think Mango is still a top five player, even if the last two events put Mango in like the 10 ish to 15 range. Maybe. I think that seeding Mango like 10 to 15 right now would be disingenuous, even if the results say so right now, because we've had two tournaments. And in regards to like, is HBox number two? It just depends on what the, like, what lens you were asking my question from is HBox. If the season ends right now, if COVID five comes out and the start, the season ends right now today, will HBox get ranked number two? Yes. Do I think HBox is the second best player in the world? No. Should HBox be seated second at Smash Summit uh, 13? And I would say no. That's a hard, that's a very difficult question. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at HBox um, a, few, a few weeks ago, right? Let, let's go to a world before Genesis 8 happens. HBox was seated under Polish. Justin, you were an advocate of this. You were a strong advocate yeah. of this. This gave HBox the ninth seed. Um, this was before Leffen and Wizzy dropped out. So, you know, understand also that that's still probably, it doesn't like push him down too much further. He's still a top 10 player. But what we've seen in the past few weeks, it's um, it's been slow, right? It's not like he did anything at Genesis where we're like, oh my God, he's back, right? He beat Lod. Uh, he ended up losing to Nun, which is someone who I don't think he's ever dropped a land set to. Uh, and he really did get kind of beaten down. By Cody. He did 3-0 Mango. True. He did 3-0 Mango in what was possibly their new worst set, which yes. is a big uh like bar to clear because Evo 2015 is still there and still bad to this day. Um, but yeah, his pound was kind of this thing where it looked doable really quickly, right? Like his bracket on paper looked hard, and then suddenly as we get deeper in bracket, when it becomes Kadoran instead of IBW it becomes a feat that is suddenly more doable than it was. Um, so what I what I basically think about HBox, I don't think he's number two. I do think that would be disingenuous. I think everyone's right on that. But there is a weird argument that he should be reevaluated. And I'm thinking about what like comes from HBox for the future, right? Um, so when we last saw HBox return to LAM, this was, man, what was this? This was, you know, um, June, June, 2021, I believe. And we, um, we're seeing this HBox who we don't know what he's doing, right? We don't know what he's up to. Uh, and in between then and now, I think he's gone like, like I had the uh, one of our our patrons actually had the uh, the entire stats, but I believe it was something along the lines of um, five and what was it um, five and seventeen. So that includes Summit Eleven. That's five and seventeen with uh, a very good tier of players. So that's Zane, IBW, Mango, Wizard, Omsut, Left, and Plup. Who I think we all agree is like that's the top echelon of players split up into two tiers. If you want, who cares? So being 5-17 and 17 versus them, it's not good. But thinking about what he's going to do now, I um, I have to reevaluate what his mattress spread is. Because Plup, 
I think is someone who I think he can beat Plup. I think he could beat Leffen. I think Leffen wins. Um, we've seen him beat Amsa. I think he is. I think Amsa's still scary, but I think he can do it. I don't think Wizzy's easy. I don't think IBW is easy, although he's done it online. And I definitely don't think Zane's easy. I'm an 11. True. True. You're right. He did do it offline as well. But we are getting to a point where for three people, as like your scary people for HBox, it's it's looking good. Um, I don't know if this is the return of HBox. I, I, and I definitely think that um, having Zane and Cody as your two demons makes it really hard to win a bracket. But we might have to rethink what like how good HBox is in the current day. Um, Edwin, what do you, you, you just had your little article about this. What do you think? Yeah. So uh, I, I mentioned the five and 17 stat versus the uh, versus like the top tier of play, but I want to actually quote one part of my article because I think, uh, I think it gives a lot to think about over the last year. And uh, this is the passage that I wrote down. Um, everybody, myself included, loves to make fun of Hungrybox for losing to players on stream and sulking or popping off for content. Did we ever consider that maybe the field is just good? In an era where getting to winner side of top eight itself is more of a challenge than it's ever been, did taking the occasional L online in countless events actually save Hungrybox a lot of, excuse me, actually save Hungrybox a lot of heartbreak? And I have to say, like, we're fresh off events where we just saw the number one player of last year get rocked by yeah. Fizzwiggle, a player who is very good. We've known is very good for a while, but when you think of net play grinders, I don't think Fizzwiggle is one of the, one of the names that would pop up. And then that same player, again, the 2021 number one, we saw him flame out at 13th place to fiction and laud two really strong players, probably top 15 or so. But if you're talking about a number one player in the world, that is a harsh return to reality. And that's just Mango. We're also talking about IBW. My pick for the second best player in the world right now, he's drop, drop sets to JMook. Uh, if you count online Slug and Salt, if you that's only right. want to talk about offline, Aklo, Kadorn, the Stop Swooper. Trying to push an agenda. <laughs> and, and my Genesis 8 pick, Plup. The person who I said would win the tournament. Mm -hmm. We saw him lose to JMook and then immediately get eliminated out of Genesis at 13th place by Ginger. These are people that like, you know, could we see HBox dropping the set to them? Maybe, maybe, maybe if it's online, maybe if it's at lower stakes. But if, if you look at the records of in both formats, HBox's consistency against the field, it's, I mean, it's quite remarkable. And I, I think it, it's still worth the... Uh, interrogating in, in spite of you know the occasional stray losses to crudo or like morse code or whatnot or like cam or whatnot like when you enter so many tournaments like you are going to lose at some point to someone who is who may be considered like uh like noticeably worse than you so i really think it warrants examination like you know maybe in the in the in the 2020 era yeah you know when when hbox was losing a whole tournament to dawson or when he was dropping a set to like golden and whatnot, obviously that is an aberration. Like that was something that we were not used to. And we did not see from anyone else, but we're, we're two years or almost two years since that point. And we're seeing top five players drop sets outside of their tier, like flies. 
And we, we see HBox like doing slightly better, still taking the occasional L, but more or less ahead of everyone else. And it really warrants examination. Like, did did he get it all out of the way early? <laughs> Just was he was this part of Juan Debiedma's plan the whole time? Who was was he throwing for content so that he could come back for content? I, I don't know. I, I think it, we're, we're in this really fascinating period because it's like, well, like, was he losing because he was just worse? Or is that just inevitable now? <laughs> if you're not I'm gonna mention, at least. I'm going to mention two things. One, for the pedants in the audience, you can't get immediately eliminated at 13th. 13th is one where you have to beat someone in losers to get there. Plop, uh beat salt in losers. I just want to say Plop. that. It was K5. I want to say that because the the bracket-loving pedants in the world might hear you say that. Uh, but two, you are you are drinking this uh, HBox Kool Aid, which I don't even think the in, in Jonestown. I don't even think it was actually Kool Aid. I think it was like Flavor Aid or something. I think they cheaped out. But you are yeah. drinking the Kool Aid, my man, because uh, I, I think it's really you're uh, uh, obscuring the fact that he was losing to a lot of people. He was entering a lot of events. But even the even the big ones, right? Like, don't even talk about the oh well, he only had a lot of bad losses because he entered like weeklies all the time. Even the big ones, he was having really not incredible losses. Um, so yeah, I guess we have to we have to find out. Like, is that an online thing? Will like he he lost to none? Someone who hasn't lost on land last year, he was losing to Polish. Someone who is you know would look even a few years ago would would look uh, undoable for Polish for them to do that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because I I wonder, did he is offline HBox really that far away from this uh, this idea of online HBox? Online HBox, a person who was dropping a lot of sets, uh, even though like once he actually got to the big events, he was not really getting upset all that much. Um, but does that carry over into on offline at all, or is this idea of him as the like the new consistent gatekeeper is that something that we're going to be seeing um i don't know it's it's going to be an interesting thing yeah if i can just clarify the thing with hbox you do remember that i i'm not so much drinking the kool-aid as much as i'm offering it to to you two remember i still have worse i still have that's that's, it it is that's a worse worse. thing to do no it it is much worse i i won't deny that but uh i i still have cody number two in the world but i do think like the recent stretch of you know, the last two weeks of we us seeing the tier one players struggling beneath people or struggling versus people. I genuinely do think that at least in the last year, it puts a lot of uh, hungry boxes. You know, to put it lightly, is questionable <laughs> losses. Um, it it kind of puts it in a different context for for me, even even if it does not necessarily translate to hungry boxes, the second best player in the world. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so bizarre. I, because I never thought we'd reach the point where like Plup would be getting thirteenth at a major because, and like, or let me put it this way: if we, if we saw Plup getting that low to a major, we, we, we sort of had an idea of what it could look like. Like, oh, you know, maybe Plup ran into a really hard Fox early, or maybe, maybe he ran into Fox, or like he was, he was playing Fox or something, right? Like, but, the, but the way that it's happening is, is so unusual. That that's what's really striking to me. Like we're in an era now where Amsa is just casually destroying the top foxes. Like mm. what? <laughs> we're in an era where Mango is dropping a, a set to like a unranked Sheik who wasn't even like you know a very strong player, but not one of the like probably not the most notable net play grinder from Colorado. <laughs> not even number one in Colorado. Yeah, it's yeah. Just very 
Again, Colorado's a great state. Physical is a very good player. I just think like we're we're really in unprecedented territory for what competing against the field means. And with with that knowledge, it does make me look at some of Hungry Box's uh, you know, outliers where he quote unquote throws for content or whatever a little differently. I think the context that we are seeing right now, it's weird, but you can make an optimistic play for HBox to be Second or third, if you're talking about, like, seeding or, you know, I don't know. I guess we have to deal with rankings now, um, even though it's only been a few months. Um, but what I think we're going to see at the end of the year, and, and who knows, this year's been nuts. I would not be surprised if it just continued to get more nuts. But I think what we're going to see is we're going to see HBox have consistent results, and we're going to see him not really win events. And I do think the people who are talking about who have inconsistent results are going to be winning events. I would say Cody's probably going to win another big event before the year ends. I think it'd be dumb to say that Leffen doesn't have the ability to do it. Plup, you know, we have not seen the best Plup recently, but he was amazing last year. And if he's able to even do that for one event, I think he's likely to win. And, um, you know, we haven't seen Wizzy, but I think he can definitely do that. So HBox. And of course, Mango. It's a weird HBox. We'll see. Who knows with him? But yes, HBox, the thing is, people are talking about, you know, did we maybe get HBox wrong? But uh, at the end of the year, I, I think we need to actually see if he wins anything because that's the difference that we need to see. Cody might be losing to these people who are seated below. He might get ninth at something, but I also think he'll win stuff. Yeah, I agreed. One last note on HBox um, that I want to bring up. You know, when we talk about some of the hardest opponents HBox has ever had, Last Pound actually tied Zane for, or Zane tied Armada for second most amount of set consecutive sets taken over HBox. So he's at nine right now. He's won each of his last nine sets over HBox. Uh, the most, uh, the record holder for consecutive uh, sets won over HBox, at least serious sets, is Mango at eleven, which was which ran from like mid early mid 2013 to of course the infamous evo 2015 set so Damn, and, they, and they both did it offline <laughs> yeah so my question to yeah so even more impressive but my question to both of you is when do you think hungry box finally beats sane or do, or is this it has hungry hungry box entered the zone where he just cannot beat this guy i just think in general for someone to say like this player can never ever beat this player is, I mean, it, especially in the state of melee, I think it's ludicrous. The idea that a player mm -hmm. has a zero percent chance to win a set is crazy. I'm sure that people thought that. I mean, it's best of three. There's so many things, but like, again, like I'm sure that people going into Genesis would say Fizzwiggle has a zero percent chance of beating Mango, and that is clearly just not true at all. There have been plenty of insane upsets throughout the years in melee that people would not even imagine that happened. But at the end of the day. There's so many variables and factors to it. Like there are upsets. There is never there. I still think there is not a single set of melee where there is a 0% chance that player a loses or player a who is favorite over player B will win 100% of the time. If they play mm -hmm. 10 million sets, because there is always, always the chance that someone can lose, especially for players at the caliber of hungry box and Zane's level. Mm-hmm. I think it's not wise to bet against HBox ever. Uh, he is, even when he looks bad, he can he can turn it on, right? Like, how many sets in a row did Cody win so convincingly before he got 3-0'd at LACS? Um, 
yeah, it's Hbox is a player who I think I mentioned. I don't know if he's going to end the year with a major win, but I think what he's going to end the year with is a, a pretty good wins. I think the issue for him is not getting an individual win. It's about stringing together all these wins, all these upsets on the people who I think are favored on him um, into one cohesive run, which maybe we can even see. Who knows? Hbox is a. Uh, you know what? He's he's always given us something to talk about, and that I appreciate. Giving content to the people, throwing chairs in the crowd, True. ripping yeah, the space Mac off and spreading and just like spraying all over the crowd. Yeah, we, we did see a little bit of a theatrics at uh, Pound 2022 from, from HBox's side. Um, oddly enough, the only time I really saw him, he was wearing a mask. He, he came up to me, made polite conversation. Um, so I love him now, of course. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that this was a bit of an odd event uh, from a lot of standards, not even just his. Mm-hmm. Justin, you know, you and I were both at the event. You commentated and um, I hung out. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really have much to do at all, but I was there to just vibe out, see some friends. You know, definitely um, a little bit of a smaller event after Genesis, but I was looking forward to seeing some people. Uh, it seems some people weren't able to make it up to Genesis. Having Pipsqueak, our sponsored player, yes, of course, was very excited for a lot of things in this event. But I think it'd be safe to say that, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on at Pound, and um, not everything was positive, right? There there were definitely reasons for both attendees and viewers to have their qualms about Pound. And, you know, it kind of, like, it begs the question for me, what is coming next for pound pound is a series that um if you look just in terms of what it's done historically one of the biggest in terms of everything right it's been around for such a long time the big events that they had were huge pound three mangoes win there will always be one of the like premier wins in terms of uh like what the scene talks about and yet we're looking at pound 2022 um it really barely edged out Pound Underground that they had years ago, which was supposed to be their non like non mainline Pound event. Um, you know, years ago in 2016, uh, they had almost a thousand entrants in a ballroom. They moved to their new venue, the Horse Track, and uh, 2019, I believe, got around 400 or so. Um, and we're looking at an event that's under 300 here. Justin, what were your experiences from someone who both worked the event, but also someone who was an attendee? What did you think about it? So I've got one thing that I think sort of relates to this, and then I'll go into your question. I think that as we have a lot of, we, we've you've talked about this in plenty of other podcasts or just in general, we're in kind of a new age of Melee. A lot of the mm-hmm. demographics of the top players, the viewers, and our new I guess two and tours and above, and a lot of our grinders are very new to the game. And I think that the historical legacy, and I say this with no disrespect to any brand at all, because I'm about to bring up a couple of brands. Um, the historical legacy of either former or current tournament series, I think means very little. Uh, there are tournaments back in the day, I will name these, like tipped off. Like pound, uh, as examples, which in the past were considered super majors or had you know a lot of buzz and notoriety to them, and nowadays people 
either do not attend or the attendance drops or i mean pounds numbers were actually really really good viewership wise but you know what i mean low tide city this week is part of the esteemed low tier city series there are players who are in advanced of melee online in top 32 of that tournament right now seeing yeah. wise and they have a great venue they have amazing you know number like in in regards to like marketing and numbers they should have everything they have like they should have more pound as well and i think that the legacy that like legacy and brand relevance doesn't really mean a lot to this new era of player that could just sit at home and play online instead i mean okay genesis will always be you know super super major the big house yeah. always always super super major that is completely different but for like other major events people don't really care honestly there's just so many events nowadays that there's not really that much of a difference between one to another traveling is expensive etc i think that this is going to be a trend that we see going forward where newer events or events that don't have as much historical legacy don't necessarily have an upper edge on newer events like the function is arguably going to be as stacked if not more stacked than no, no actually just objectively will be significantly more stacked than low tide city is and new york yeah. city melee started last year i'm not even saying this to like pipe up my own event or anything i'm just just stating facts i think you're um, absolutely right um i've i've talked about this well i was kind of talking about it all weekend with people which is very funny but but i talked about this last week and we are in a buyer's market for melee if you are a melee player you have your choices if you're an ultimate player what are your options you can uh play online and have an ungodly amount of freight of lag uh or you can go to a major and that's why we've seen really good attendance from them even when it was incredibly unsafe to do so they had like a 600 person major in june 2021 like a month before we actually had our first melee back which was um summit an invitational yeah. they had a 600 person event they were flying internationally last year but like no regardless they are a game that goes to a lot of stuff because they kind of have to if you don't go to stuff that scene's dead they're also i mean they don't have the legacy that we do of course they don't have like the the four momentum or they have more four momentum but they don't have like the stuff to fall back on that melee has but in terms of melee if you don't want to go to a major you can hit up a very good player and play them almost anywhere in the country on a very playable connection because of that i think events have to realize that they can't offer melee because melee is not a selling point to drop however much money, right? 500, 600, 700. Like it, it just grows and grows. And suddenly you're like, okay, now for the entire week, I'm spending $800. And I'm getting more out of this than if I entered Gallant. But am I getting $800 more? So we're seeing events that have to supply something, right? Genesis has the brand. That is a brand that is so big that people want to go to Genesis because everyone's there. Um, big house is also a brand but i think they're the only brands that can really have that right they're the only brands that are big enough to support themselves um genesis when i went to genesis and went to pound back to back two completely different experiences i was in the middle of a city i could go uh you know we went to a bar we went to get food at all these different places within walking distance there were so many amenities that San Jose was able to offer that was not offered in Laurel, right? Laurel is not able to compete with that. Um, the venue was huge and the venue at Zedu was not able to compete with that. This is not me attacking pound. 
but it's saying that like there are levels to this and you have to have something else we have um we've seen events offer non-traditional experiences for for their players and we've seen them do really well right Smash we talked about smash and splash is a great one riptide obviously you know still doing incredibly well um we had that whole thing with smash camp where we talked with mikey and yingli about this there are ways to give your your um attendees a good experience that are, are outside of melee and honestly that's probably what's going to be the difference right now because regional proximity is like the only reason why you know you should be going to an event that doesn't offer you the best experience if if you like you should be going for setups you should be going for something to do outside you should be going for amateur brackets or brackets you know just like brackets that they're just going to run throughout the day there's all these things and you need something because you don't yeah yeah. i'm bringing up at this tournament doesn't even open red yet so one of the most anticipated melee events of the year is mm-hmm. Faye, the yeah. uh, UK melee major. I am scrolling on their Twitter right now. I, I I've not been paid to say this or anything. I am going to go to Faye, just as a, a note. I've got family in uh, the UK, so I've got to go. But uh, regardless, I scroll on the Twitter, and you know what I see? I see a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament announcement mm-hmm. that KJH and Magi responded to. I see a football or soccer as some people might call it uh five aside event (laughs) i see a chess event i see a mario kart wii side event and i see not a single mention of melee because why would you go and pay hundreds of dollars to play melee Mm -hmm. when you could pay hundreds of dollars to do other cool things with your melee friends and then also play melee yeah, if I can just say uh, one thing really quick, as someone who did not attend the event, but I, I think like you know I, I've been to my fair share of events, in the Pound series included. Um, I just think like if you're gonna get people to go to go to tournaments, you have to know not just like the modern market, like like we perfectly put it, it's a buyer's market, right? But you you can't default to this idea that like we used to do things this way and this was the appeal and we're going to do that again in 2022. Right. If, if this was 2016 and the, you know, just again, selfishly from a spectator standpoint, like, and the stream shows up an hour late, like, no, that that's fine. Whatever. Like it's cool. Melee's in the melee's in the spotlight, but this is 2022. Like the, the people who are still around that followed it back then, like there's there's different standards for how tournaments should be run, how how streams should be run, um, what kind of player experience and expectations are set for uh, for tournaments, uh, how they want to model their events. Um, I mean, it's it's just a completely different ball game right now, and uh, it 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 genuinely broke my heart to see a, a, a lot of people very uh, unhappy with with diff- the way that things went at Pound. And I think, uh, you know, we, I, I gotta say, yeah, it, it was night and day from, from Genesis for mm-hmm. sure. But, you know, you went to smash camp earlier this year, you went to riptide late last year. No, um, but close. Oh, main stage, excuse me. Yes. Uh, but like, you've been to these majors, you see how they, you see how they do things. You see like the way that, you know, the, the attendee experience is modeled from the, from the start of it. And going to Pound, it really is just like a, if if going to Genesis is like go, like hanging out at a party or whatever, and just it's, it's like a, it's like a dream. Like you have a blast. You remember all these little things. 
Um, you know, Pound, uh, everything I've heard about it and everything I experienced from watching on the weekend, it's like a long, like, like you're waiting in line at like, you know, like if you go back to the college days or whatever, you're going to a party out in the in the woods somewhere and there's just like a line that goes on really long. And by the time you get in, like there's kind of no room to talk to anyone because the music's really loud and you're just like stuck in it. You're you're in like a throb, throb of people or whatever, and you eventually just leave after after 30 minutes. I mean, I heard stories of people like not being able to watch top eight in the venue because it was too hot. Oh, well, that's yeah, that's right from the the source right here. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I just think that's you know, like I speaking not to try to like dogpile on the tos and the people behind the, no, the no. team, but just constructively speaking, that's that's one of the worst things that you could have for an attendee at the event. There's like the it's it's like a cardinal one of the like you know a, a pitfall, right? The the first one would be like, oh, there's not enough setups. The second thing is like there's not enough room and that and the, the third thing would be not only is there not enough room but people are leaving you're <laughs> leaving where they are supposed to be because there's not enough room i think pound could maybe come back next year again and uh i think it could be a really fun regional i, I think it could, it could be something great for the northeast and like mid-atlantic to get a bunch of players there maybe get a couple people from get some people from the midwest have a have you know a relic like a 200 or or like or just like a smaller smaller stakes event that's not immediately after genesis but i think as far as pound being a major like they gotta look i'm gonna be real with you i think pound should just reach out to nico and or rio beat and our friend justin here this is and, literally my talking point that i not yes, only brought is. up i brought up to you in private but whatever yes i i other than I you stealing tweet. other than you stealing with what i you have said for a while and what i was going to say um I, you have a couple things i want to i want to point out mm -hmm. there um yeah it's it's an interesting thing I, I one i think you're correct we're not trying to dogpile vgbc they've been putting on events for a while um it's unfortunate that this one was not really a total hit in all scenarios and from what i've heard from the stream <laughs> yeah the stream experience I, there's some stuff there yeah let um, me just say really quickly the the stream chat again I mean this purely constructively. Like the, I I almost try to never comment on Twitch chat because I just assume that if you're watching a major, or you're watching an event with a lot of people, there's going to be people in chat. I get it. Like when when you when you, when you get a large audience, not everyone entering is going to be like going to be like pristine or whatever, right? Like I I really try not to comment on this, but I swear, like this is the kind of stuff that makes like it makes like a uh, chat of like other streamers look like PhDs. Like it is, it's, it was genuinely astounding. The level of a uh, unhingedness to I'll, I'll say in, yeah. in VGBC's chat that that needed a mod, like more well, mods. Well, I want to talk about a lot of these things that you mentioned. And you also mentioned I went to main stage. That's true. I went to both main stages. I went to 2019, I went to 2021. And I think main stage is a really good example of what pound could realistically be. Um, obviously, we talked about with the Papa John's thing that like people will go, oh, it's BTS or VGBC, right? It's like these two disparate like leaders. Um, so there's that, which is an interesting dynamic. But they have a lot of similarities. So, um, 
you know, VGB, sorry, uh, Pound. Pound is in Laurel, which is uh, outside of a big city, Baltimore. Same goes for Mainstage. It's in Ontario, California, outside of LA. Both are um, not the easiest to get to from the airport. Um, actually, if you fly to LAX, it's a lot harder to get to Mainstage than it is to get to Pound from BWI. So you know, that's the thing that Pound has. But it's the the differences that make the um, make the case for why I think that Pound has a future. So Mainstage's venue is is a lot larger. Um, it's roomier. I didn't feel cramped. I didn't feel hot there. Actually, to be honest, you know, I I know we're getting back. It didn't feel safe at some points. Like at some points, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like crowding um, around this Leffen set or whatever. I don't like, like, it's just like, I think I better off not seeing this thing. Cause I don't think we're at this point yet. Um, and also the fact that there is probably a two to 300 person to, uh, like difference between who was there and the cap. I could not imagine that venue having an extra 300 people. And that is just crazy to me, but main stage is a large venue. Obviously they have to pay more money for it. It's not the one that they own. Like, you know, VGBC, um, owns Xanadu. But it's a large venue. They have a ton of setups. Um, the experience as an attendee is just completely different. It's also a walk from the hotel. It's like a five, 10 minute walk. So it's also similar to, to pound in that sense, but it's an easy five to 10 minute walk. It's, it's one that, you know, in order to get to the hotel, you have to walk through like a business park and then you cross the street and you're there for Laurel. You have to walk like through this weird little, um, Mm-hmm. yeah like, like there's like a creek there it's like you have to walk under a bridge and then you have to cross like a big lawn and then you have to cross a huge parking lot or you can go the opposite way by cross it by like going through a construction zone and then underneath like a train station like it's very i don't know it's something that 24-hour venue is super cool but i was going to main stages 24-hour venue after hours and i was not really doing the same thing for pound um yeah, I don't know. There's there's a ton of ways that this could be different. And for the future of Pound, what I have to say is that I will not be attending a Pound that has both events there in the Zandu venue. It's close to me. It was, you know, it was a fun idea to go. But what happened was I really didn't have a great experience this weekend. It was cramped. It was hot. It was something where um, only later did the did friendly setups really open up. Um and also, I spent a ton of money on it. I spent like $250 in Uber rides. Um, but I don't know. That's Maybe that's on me. Um, yeah, I don't know. My, for the future of Pound, I, I don't think there's a way where I would be supporting an event that runs two games in there. If they want to turn into a melee event and they want to turn into an ultimate event, I think that's fine. But if you want to run Pound, like with as prestigious as they probably want it, I don't think they can run it at Zandu anymore. I think if they want to run it, it has to be in a convention center. It has to be in a ballroom. It has to be something that can fit their aspirations because currently what they're able to accommodate and what they want to accommodate are two different things. Dark Genics. What do you think? <laughs> um, as someone who commentated Pound, attended Pound, I did not compete at the event. Uh, I definitely had some... Uh, so the last time I entered a VGBC, this is not a VGBC issue at all, but the last time I entered a VGBC tournament was a uh, Super Smash Con Fall Fest. And I was scheduled to commentate top 16. Mm -hmm. I then made top 16. 
Yes. So I forced the four produ- uh, the poor the poor producing staff to have to find a commentator last minute. And ever since then, uh, at future VGBC events, they have asked me to not enter because they, I think, might put me on blocks that I may have to compete in. So <laughs> I did not compete at Smashable Tour East Coast. Uh, I wasn't, you know, qualified. But I did not compare, compete at Smashable Tour Championships in the open bracket. And I did not compete at Pound, even though I probably could have. But I didn't want to make things harder for them because I still feel bad about uh, Fall Fest to some degree. But anyway... I mean, as an attendee, it's uh, it's fairly obvious that the uh, venue itself could not sustain that amount of people in it. I believe the actual event was about 300 under cap, yep. and it felt packed the entire time. Uh, I am fairly certain that the stage, like the top eight stage, the amount of seats that were extending out to the side is probably a fire hazard. There were a lot of people sitting in places they were not supposed to be and taking chairs from other places in the venue that they were not supposed to have taken. Uh, Additionally, we were technically still in the pandemic. Not even technically, we just are still in the pandemic. Uh, A lot of close contact as a result of the, you know, lack of space. I definitely saw a handful of people having gotten COVID or gotten sick. I myself did not get COVID, but I did actually get sick after pound. Mm. Um, Unless I feel like fantastic tomorrow, I probably do not attend tomorrow's nightclub. I've been like sneezing and stuff all day, etc. Maybe as a result, uh, I got tested. By the way, I'm I'm a dog COVID, probably. But uh, either way, a lot of uh issues in regards to just space, and I think that it's just I think it's unreasonable to expect the amount of people in that venue at its cap to coincide with an event that people will want to come back to because you know at some point. There's a limit. And I get the idea wanting to have, you know, a classic melee and newest Smash game major in MDVA. And you have a great venue, and I understand that. But at the same time, it's like there's going to be a limited amount of setups. I definitely saw on Saturday there were a bunch of setups just taken up, and you couldn't get a friendly setup. And then after dinner, it was a 24-hour venue, and it was advertised, right? The only people I saw in the venue after 12 a.m. when I got back to the venue were Bobby Big Balls recording people on his live stream and maybe like four setups with people on them one or two of which were someone playing against a cpu and a lot of people were just returning to the hilton double tree to play friendlies even though there were setups in the menu because you cannot walk to the hotel you have to take a school bus or an uber or a car and i didn't even say in the hilton double tree i stayed in the marriott uh, like 10 minutes away because uh had a not amazing experience the one time I stayed in the double tree. But anyway. Uh, and that's not even the Roach Hotel. That was not. The, I did not stay in the Roach Hotel. I definitely remember at uh, Smash Bros. for East Coast, there was the, the players were supposed to be in the Roach Hotel, and myself and turned down for Walt. Uh, they stay, We stayed in the Marriott because I didn't. I, I just saw bad reviews about the Roach Hotel. And lo and behold, who messages me about the person I edit videos for at uh, 2 in the morning? talking about uh, some friends she found in her room. (laughs) I will say I spent two separate weekends, two consecutive weekends in the Roach Hotel. And my only issue was that the floor-length mirror fell down, which is maybe not the best thing in the world, but I did not have any roaches. Um, Yeah, I mean, on on a positive note, there are good things about this event. I don't want to come away from this say, I think like this is like a complete like, you know, beat down. 
Um, I did really like, you know, you, you talk about how it was really hard to get friendlies. I do think at certain points, friendlies were pretty accessible and being in a different part of the venue was nice. They have the, their little Xanadu thing where they hold all the weeklies. Um, they had a lot of CRTs there. They had some monitors, which no one was playing on, but, but um, yeah, the, the Sunday, it was really easy to play uh, friendlies at that point. I just didn't bring my controller, so I didn't get to play any. Um, so I will say that, like they had an area for friendlies that was separated from bracket, which is very nice. You know, in a melee only event, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. They have a uh, really cool lounge section. I spent, you know, some time sitting on those chairs, very comfortable. I liked having a little, like a uh, place where you could just go and sit down. That is something that majors don't really have to that extent. Um, just like a place where you can go chill, but also be close enough where if you're playing, you know, and you need to get, if a stream runner needs to get you, they can, you know, stuff like that. Um, I thought that was really cool. So I, I don't think it's too far gone. Um, I like the bag checks. I like that the VIP room had security. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed that there was a little outdoor area where people could sit and just chill and relax and watch the horses and such. I liked that there was an upstairs balcony area that they didn't close off. There was mm -hmm. a lot of good in this event. I'm definitely, not, I agree with you. And I'm also not trying to come off of this as like, this is the worst event ever, never support count series. Like definitely there are good things, but I was asked about the bad. So I would go to a pound again, if it were not two games in Zadu. I would go to a pound again, if it were one game in Zadu. Because you look at Glitch, and Glitch is the thing that makes me believe that this can work. Glitch is uh, the ultimate regionals that they've been having, which are basically majors at this point. They've grown from like a Smash 4 regional, which was very strong, to I believe, I don't think they've ever hit a thousand entrants, but they've been just under that. They've hit like 900, they've hit 700, they've hit really like a high number of entrants, and the care that they put into them is crazy. You go there and it's like, this is the Konami like Glitch. And you're like, if you win an award, it's um, like a Metal Gear Solid like case that says like glitch, you know, singles or whatever, first place. Um, you can take a picture with like the the Dracula chair from from Castlevania. The amount of care that they put into the glitch events is what makes me know that a melee event could work there, or just any single game event can. It's pound being a double event, being a major, right? Being like trying to fill the hole of what pound used to be when it was not in Zandu. That's the one where I get a little worried about. Um, so I don't know. I, I would like to see that, you know, the change be made in some sense before I'm able to go again. I understand that, you know, I'm like a guy who does not have to pay uh, like the venue cost if they want to move to a bigger venue. I like, I understand that. I'm not the one paying for a ballroom, uh, when I, although I'm recommending one. But I have trouble going into another pound with that same exact thing without any significant changes so who knows um but yeah i i hope to see something for them uh i i do think that this is not the end of pound but um i think pound would need a change to be get back to what it was before now justin we both attended this event i uh was in as media despite the fact that i forgot my camera battery and did not get to take any photos you weren't as a commentator so we, need, we didn't have to pay but the question stands would you pay 20 dollar entry fee for the event that we had yeah, but also at the same time, it comes with the context that I'm not as a surprise or secret. Don't particularly mind the entry fee to an event due yeah. to the amount of uh, money that I have to spend on Smash stuff. 
<laughs> I try to say this in the least uh, ass-hatty way possible. Um, so I am perfectly content with spending $20 on entry fee. Although I don't think that solves virtually any of the problems that come to mind in regards to smashers being funded, tournaments being paid out, players outside of the top eight having money. And it's like $20 entry fee is like a short-term non-solution to mm -hmm. a significantly larger problem that I think is potentially not solvable. Yeah, Justin, I think you're right on a lot of this. And uh, you know, we've actually even seen events charge $15 entry fee for a lot of these things. So the change from $10 is not monumental. But when it's been $10 for as long as it has, or if it's $15, the change to 20 is big enough where I think it necessitates a reason. If I'm going to Genesis, the biggest event of the year, like a, a marquee event, a can't-miss event, I can understand that being 20 because I'm paying for the experience. Or if I'm going to an event that, um, you know, gives me something more, right? If it's, if it's Shine, which tries to run like top 96 best of five, that's a different experience. That might be $20. But of all the reasons that I can think of to change from $10 or even $15 to $20, the reason that I think is the worst is that HBox needs more money. I know that he's the guy to say this. He wasn't even the first guy. It was Meister who brought it up. But the idea that top-level players are like the, the eight people who have actually make money, the eight people of a 1,500-person event, if it's Genesis, the fact that that is the person who should benefit, I don't agree with. Edwin, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so uh, because he's not here right now, I'm going to do the – I'm going to take uh, Eric's – or Ambi Sinister's place of being the insufferable discourse commenter person and i think it's so funny that the way people are positioning the uh the 20 look it's it's not even that like five or 20 to 10 is a uh, is proven to like decrease attendance or whatever right like i i couldn't really i i don't really like if if i have to pay 20 dollars to go to genesis at least for me in particular yeah sure i'll do it it's genesis or big house right but i hate the idea that it's like this oblig like that it's being positioned through this, uh, this like this will help this other person get more money. It's like, well, like if I'm an average attendee, I don't care if this person mm -hmm. gets more money. I want the tournament to be good. I want to, I want to have fun with the homies. Like I want to, I want to have setups to play melee on. I want to play my matches in tournament and have them maybe feel as meaningful as possible or whatever. I want to hang out with my friends. I, I want to go around and like see all, all the other all the other matches that are going on i want to have restaurants nearby i want to have a hotel like or whatever like i want to you know and in in a sense like when i go home if i ever want to rewatch the videos i want to make sure that i i hope they're uploaded or or whatever and that the event the rest of the event runs on time i don't care that like oh like this will help top players like go to more events or or compensate them maybe that's a very selfish way of viewing the event but like when we talk about like the reasons why people want to like go to tournaments i am telling you like giving the giving the small group of people who make any money and like while we're fighting for pennies right like increasing the pennies into like dimes or whatever is not like it's just such a short-sighted uh it's such a short-sighted solution to like a mm -hmm. bigger problem and if the only problem you see is that hungry box is making like eight hundred dollars instead of sixteen hundred it's like I don't know what to tell you. Like, stop positioning it through the lens of like your interest, like 
reflecting the rest of the community. It is so annoying when when uh, when top player pilled top players just bring this up and they're like, yeah, you should do this because it benefits me and because it benefits mm-hmm. me, it's good for the scene. Like, stop it. I'm sick of you people. There it's are so a lot annoying. of people who who try to they're like their way of selling something is by being like it benefits me which is yeah. not something that's not how you sell yourself right if i'm at a job interview i'm like here's why you should hire me it's because otherwise i'd be homeless <laughs> like it's not a good way of being like it helps me if you do this because it should also help the person who's in that scenario right it should help the person who's going from ten dollars to twenty dollars and really the idea of you know hbox or meister or whoever you know whatever making a little more money probably not the worst thing but it's way far down the list of stuff that we actually care about um and also i'm okay with them making more money right because it's not sure. hbox we're talking about it's not the people who have reliable streaming careers or reliable sources of income hbox is the guy who brought it up um so he's going to be the one who we talk about here he has i think that one of the biggest ultimate streams in terms of watch hours he's got um like one of the, i think some of the most subs in all of mm-hmm. smash on twitch Definitely. Um, he's like he's a part owner i believe he has like some stake in one of the largest esports companies he is not really the person we're talking about here when you talk about like you know should people make more money i think about ken i think fiction is a good idea or people who get ninth at events but the way of paying them out the idea shouldn't be to come from within right you know people talk about the smash ecosystem and we're just taking from the players to give it to the other players that's not really you know, the best idea. And it's something that will dry up and it'll just, it, you're right. It's short-sighted. It's myopic solution because whatever good it'll do will eventually reap some bad in the end. Do you know, so Ludwig is going to do a, um, like a 10, uh, sorry, a hundred thousand dollar Fortnite thing or whatever. Do you know who gave him a hundred thousand dollars? Cause it wasn't him putting it up. It's Epic. And I know that we're not getting money from Nintendo. I understand that, but remember, a couple weeks ago when Papa John's came out with their whole thing and we like were like Papa John's they didn't support prize uh, like prize pots they didn't put pop bonuses in it's not we're not like popping off because now every event has a um $5,000 prize pool attached we're popping off because we know that there's money for people who do this and that this money will like you know trickle down in a way and find its way to I mean, even if it doesn't, even if it stays in the uh, pockets of Dio's, we're pretty happy with that. But giving money to people who run events is probably going to be one of the best ways to run a better event and give the people who are going to be paying $20 a better experience, right? We talked this entire time about a better experience, and maybe it is a better experience if Leffen comes to your event, right? Maybe it's a little fun to watch him, but not really the best way for an attendee to have the best experience. So, I don't know. I... I'm not opposed to $20. I think if we do $20, I think it's fine. I also, you know, the whole thing about, well, do locals charge it? You know, that's a whole can of worms. But I think $20, so Zane can get more money, so HBX can get more money, so all these people can get more money, is probably something that that's not the main thing that can be ben- that we can benefit from all this money. Do you have anything you want to say on this, Justin? I think we're all kind of in agreement of this. You took the words out of my mouth. I was basically going to say that, like, $20 entry fee going towards, like, first of all, I'm pretty sure, and 
correct me if I'm wrong, ignore Summit. A If a non-sponsored, let's say J-Move, pays out of pocket to go to every single major for the rest of the year mm-hmm. and wins every tournament, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he ends the year in the red. Pretty uh, sure. Pretty sure. It, it, it's possible. I, I possible. Maybe not first place. If you say fifth place, I think that's... that's if you go to every major and he top every major and doesn't win every major, yeah, I'm pretty sure he goes in the red. I think but that's in the red. Every player with the ability to do that is having their finances compensated by a team. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. To some degree. I, I mean, I've, ta- I've, I've talked with and or I'm friends with some like top, top players and they have trips compensated for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, additionally, a lot of them stream. Hungrybox makes a lot. Like, I, I, I assure you that even if Hungrybox won Pound, he would have made more money just sitting home streaming a restream yeah. of Pound. It's not about the money if you're competing, honestly. If like if you are going into Melee with the intention of making money by competing, like, stop playing this game. Mm-hmm. Then you are not playing the right video game. Yeah, I mean, Aiden, uh, a good friend of the show, uh, Aiden... Uh, put out a really great stream the other day when he was talking about like you know the the reasons uh why different you know like the top smashers go to events like the big house and genesis and whatnot and like where their income sources are like if genesis had a hundred thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars or even two thousand dollars right like it's still genesis the majority of their mm-hmm. uh, justin you're putting it in a, in a in a really good sense but i i, I want to kind of add on to the fact that like it's not the prestige of winning that kind of event stands out on its own. It's almost adjacent. It's like a cherry on top of like where their actual career is coming from, which is obviously like, you know, subscribers, uh, sponsorships, advertising, if they're a content creator and whatnot. Right. Like, I, I just think that uh, we get getting a little lost in the weeds here. Right. <laughs> not not us, but I mean like the, and, yeah. the whole- Aiden also brought this up during his, his entire video, which I'm like, I would recommend heavily to watch. Mm-hmm. But in addition to the TOs and the people running events and the staff and the stream runners and all those people, there are the players who are, you know, very, very skilled at the game in the like 30 to 50 range. Mm-hmm. Yes, who are absolutely not even remotely Chem. close to making money. Chem. Is I don't know why example. Chem is always my first. I don't know example. why Chem is example. I love Chem. He was going to be one of my right. VIPs at Summit. I was going to bring him, but he's on vacation. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is it? Like a player like Kem, he's not making money off this game. He is no. extremely skilled. He's put years and years of time and effort into the game. He's not on a team. He's he's in school. Like, how are we supposed to encourage someone like that to continue playing the game monetarily if he's going red at every tournament and mm-hmm getting very little benefit or eyes on him as a result of sponsors not wanting to particularly sign a player in that range and if you're like as a sponsor like why would you sign someone of that range when you Mm -hmm. can get someone higher up with more of a stream brand with more notoriety and with better results for a low price i know the salaries of top 15 players and some of them are it's it's lower than a minimum wage job yeah well i mean I've, I've, I don't think I've mentioned this on the show, but I've talked about streaming and I think you need over a thousand subs a month to hit $15 an hour, 40 hour work week, which I understand $15 an hour is not minimum wage. It's not minimum wage where I am in my current state, but um, <laughs> in the state I'm currently in, but 
I think that's an acceptable thing that we've determined is like not incredibly livable, but is at least should be the bare minimum. And what do you think about people who have a thousand subs? Oh, so are like the most consistent, biggest melee streamers. I don't think I've even, you know, some of them don't even hit a thousand. So I, I definitely think, you know, Hbox being the person who mentioned this is very funny because it's Hbox, but there is like a bit of a plight of the top smasher, which we need to talk about in, in the sense of, you know, if players don't enter stuff, we're like, why isn't Bobby Big Balls entering stuff? And then it's like, well, Bobby Big Balls is not making money from this. That's why. But if he's not entering, then people are still like, oh, he's irrelevant now. Um, I definitely think that there's an issue there. But, you know, so it's the funny thing, right? If we double money or if we double entry fee to $20 or if it goes 15 to 20 it doesn't go to players. And if it did go to players, it would not just double top eight. It should go further. Um, but something I want to mention before we go out, it's the same thing that we mentioned at the beginning. You want to talk about uh, prize pools. The outlier that we always talk about is Summit. Summit is a thing where it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, you you, you make like $70,000 if you win. But it's like no other Smash tournament is like that. Um, it's got a very unique way of doing it, I understand. But it's also something that does not have to be strictly unique. Um, when you watch Summit, almost every single Summit, at some point during the broadcast, they will talk about what the prize pool is, and they talk about how it is going up. Because they have a merch shop that is open for the entirety of the event. I think it ends the Monday of. And they get, you know, the, the prize pool will go up from the merch that is bought from direct donations. Now, I mean, there will be some sort of, uh, you know, malaise if every event it's like, yeah, here, you know, you can donate to this, you, you prize pot by doing this, you can do that. Um, and also, I think that events do that, and it's not always the best. Remember, Special Tour Finals from last year did it, but they didn't really advertise it, so no one really did it. Um, Macharinos, as another example, where a lot, I remember well, Canada yeah. Cup would always mm-hmm. advertise Macharinos, and you literally would just have to press a button. Yeah. Like, don't even spend money, you press a button. And I'm pretty sure they got sub $1,000 total from the entire weekend. Macharino is a funny thing because that's something that other tournaments outside of Smash uses a lot. Some Smash tournaments use it, but I feel like I've seen it more in FGC. Yeah, there yeah. are ways to get money. There are ways to crowdsource money. There are ways to get money from sponsors. Um, there are lots of ways to increase the amount of money that we have given to players or that we just have in events. And I don't think the really the answer is necessarily raising entry fee uh, i mean i'm also someone who usually registers as a spectator or like gets my registration comped or whatever for seating something yeah so i'm obviously not the, the one affected by this but i do think um raising the entry fee can be good but raising the entry fee without any good reason is not good because all the stuff about it's ten dollars more whatever it will throw people off and it will tell people that okay you know $40 spectator pass but I want to play so I'll pay the $70 entry or the uh, venue fee and I'll enter singles and then I'll enter doubles with my friend and now suddenly it is $70 more than to just watch so I do think that there is uh, a point where we get to where you know if you don't feel like your experience is actually benefited from you know a $20 venue fee or a $20 entry fee and I think there's no reason why we should be doing that, but I think there are good reasons. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wishy-washy on this. I think there's great reasons. I think if you do it without using one of the great reasons and without giving it back to the attendee in some way, then I don't think it should be done. Yeah, I completely agree. 
Also just, for super yeah. major, the last thing I would say is this: is for regionals where there's primarily it's basically just like a giant local with maybe a top player from out of region or something like that. Twenty dollar entry fee is usually pretty unwarranted. I think that if you are going to Genesis, you are probably spending upwards of a few hundred dollars on flight and travel. So the extra $10 entry fee, even if you're entering both singles and doubles, is very negligible. And if the extra $20 is a defining factor on not attending a Super Major, I'm pretty sure you should not be attending the Super Major to begin (laughs) with. But but at the same time, that extra $10, it's, it's not going to go towards the bettering of the experience for a majority of players, even if that $10 goes to the nine to 25 range of a tournament, Mm -hmm. like that will not impact the average player at Genesis. If Zuppy gets paid a little bit more or Zuppy gets paid out for getting 33rd, you know? Yeah. I I don't know. I I think they're, um, I'm okay. if People want to do it. And also inflation, you know. <laughs> I think I think it's fine. No, but, I'm completely fine with increasing the event the entry fee to twenty dollars. Yeah, it's just if you increase the entry fee, that money should not go to the top eight. I agree, and I also I, think that the increase of the entry fee does not actually significantly impact like the prize pools of other players or like the the people in production their salaries either. I think a through line through this episode has been about attendee experience. So I think we agree, you know, venue fee or, you know, I mean, Hey, venue fee too, venue fee, entry fee. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world. Those get raised, but there needs to be something given back. So I think we do all know what nightclub does. I do not know what nightclub does. So we charge $20 per local and yet are the, by average entries, I believe by ETOS, uh, Average data on the last time he posted it, I believe we were at 59.25 average attendees, which was the highest attended local in the world. And yet we do this with a $20 total fee every week, mm-hmm. which by the current Smash Twitter discourse seems actually impossible. How do we do that? We are a local. And, you know, there's a bar for people to hang out and get drinks at. There's a Red Bull. Uh, also, this is because of the venue, not because of us. But uh, yeah. they, there's mm-hmm. an arcade for people to play games at. We got NBA Jam if you want to play against your friends. I played uh, with a Stunt Beast, 404 Cray, and a 404 Cray's girlfriend, Jess. And we just had a great time just playing NBA Jam while people were, you know, playing. Did friendlies. you do the code so you could play Bill Clinton? I did not. I didn't know. I didn't even know that existed. But yeah, I think you know you what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing tomorrow if I go to nightclub. <laughs> but. Either way, there's stuff to do. You can play Fortnite or Apex Legends or League of Legends or other video games on the PCs that we offer. You can order or go and get food in Chinatown. We are literally in the middle of Chinatown. And it's like, also, that $20 entry fee, some of that goes to NYC Melee to fund Mm -hmm. events like the function or to buy equipment or to fly out players or to house people for uh, nightclub VIP. And people understand this. We originally had it. So it was a $12 that went to directly the venue and $8 that went to the pot. And now it's $6 that goes to the venue, $6 that go to NYC Melee events and $8 to the pot. And our community is completely fine with it. They know this and they want to support our events because we put on a good show for them every week and try our best to provide a quality Melee experience, not only in the terms of Melee itself, but also in terms of, you know, community building and meeting friends who play Melee and 
building those relationships with both the community as well as like personal relationships with the people who play the game that you play in your region because it's just important and that's yeah. why they're willing to pay 20 bucks every week i i think you guys are a great example and uh going into this discourse i, I mean i think we're kind of out of it at this point because of how smash discourse works but we'll we'll be get thrown back in uh, at some point um I, I hope that people look forward like look towards events like yours so i think they're a great example of what you can do with changes in entry fee um Justin, we've got some questions for you from our Patreon. Mm -hmm. uh, Edwin, I believe you've got a question from, from one of our patrons. Yeah, I got one from Jackzilla. Uh, Dark Gen X, how many games of Mafia will you win at Summit? How many games? I think if I play three games of Mafia, I think I'll be on the winning team for at least two of them. I yeah. it's it's one of the at least more, two. Wow. at least two I love mafia I enjoy that game a lot I really like social deduction games uh I was definitely a I genuinely do still enjoy playing it I've not played among us in like months but I genuinely do enjoy that game a lot um I don't remember what day it was of summit 12 I think it was day two I think that my game of mafia as the medic was the best game of medic ever played in <laughs> A summit in, in a summit mafia game okay in a because, summit. not of all time no but you know there's better ones but like i literally saved three people in a row blind and predicted what the mafia would do and bought the town enough time for vish who was the cop to correctly deduce who the mafia was and win the game and i literally called blind i saved three people in a row because i knew exactly what the mafia was doing mm -hmm. i and i would not say i am the best mafia player by any means I very much enjoyed the game, but I was playing amazing that game. And what's what's your uh, what's your record summit wise? I have no idea. Okay, well, I have genuinely whatever it is, you're adding two to three wins. So I will try. I will say though that um, the first time I ever played Summit Mafia, it was thanks to Chaos to Two Saint. I was actually kind of like I didn't think I had enough like social credit to play Mafia in the Summit House because I'd been rejected from Summit Mafia in the past. And Tucson was like, just just go and ask to play. You know, you, you, you've you done a bunch for the community, whatever. Just ask. I'm like, okay, I'll ask. And then I asked, and they said, sure. And I was like, my first game, I was always like nervous and anxious and whatnot because I never played before. And I was playing with a bunch of like real like big shots and such. And the night after like that happened, I went to get uh, food with Ty and Yingling and Violence, I believe, and the Cheat. I think one of those people was actually not there. But regardless, we all it was me and the AZ but crew. You'll have to deduce who that one is. Yeah. And it was me and the AZ crew. And we went back to my room. Or not my room. It was their room. And we analyzed the Mafia VOD. And they were just like having a good time. But I was like, I want to watch this. I want to do better next time. Because I want to like put on a show. I I, I don't want to like just be just a, a, a town doing nothing. I want to like do stuff. And then I got better at Mafia. Well, I think it's safe to say that you, you know, you, you did put on a show. So looking forward to what happens at uh, at Summit 13. Gee, it's already up to 13. Um, we've got another question. This one is from SSB Seal. Sure. Uh, very Seal question, if you know him. What is your favorite Siva Gunner rip? Shout out to Seal. Top 64 placer at Genesis, True. by the way. Um, I know he's got ties with Siva Gunner, and we've talked a little bit about it. Uh, so... The question was what my favorite. I think I actually saw the question in the Patreon channel, and I was prepared for this. Uh, 
what is i think the full question was what was my favorite and what i think is the funniest so my favorite one is um 11 minutes of city pop it's like a fusion collab and i'm pretty sure that it was because uh they had a king for a day tournament which was basically they had 16 i think 16 characters and people would vote on which character like makes it to the end and then the person who made it to the end which was i believe dj professor k from you know i i, I know the lore uh dj professor k from uh jet set radio and they had a full day of jet set radio themed rips and second place in the king of the day tour of king of a day for a day tournament i'm pretty sure was um maria takauchi the uh singer of the famous plastic love mm-hmm. uh you know classic and as a result of that they gave her a fusion collab so they made an 11 minute city pop medley from like just a bunch of city pop songs and it was in a bunch of different styles and it was really really beautiful and it had like this vhs-esque uh anime aesthetic of mario takeuchi in a car listening and driving through japan and i thought it was sick and that's my favorite one in terms of the funniest one uh it's just just by pure coincidence uh i forget what it's called actually it's root it's from pokemon gold and silver and it is a mashup of like one of the songs pokemon gold and silver and it mashes up with a a a song about having robux and like it's just a a mashup of roblox of roblox parody song and pokemon but then halfway through the song it mashes up with a, I think, a, a guilty kiss song from Love Live Sunshine, and that's such like oh an God. obscure crossover. Like I'm wearing a Love Live shirt right now. Yeah, so this is all the stuff that you love. This yeah. is just like perfectly it is made. The most dark. Like I know whoever made that rip <laughs> does not know who I am, but that is the most dark Gen X rip possible. It is a mashup of Love Live and Roblox. So I, that is to this day I think the funniest was I did not expect it to switch to like I thought the Robloxing was funny. And then I heard Guilty Kiss singing, and I'm like, oh my god, this is insane. So that's my answer to that question. I don't know what any of that means, but I'm sure Seal loved it, so thank you. Uh, we got one really quick one. We had this. We had patrons ask this on the last two episodes, but no one asked. So I will be asking, what's your favorite pizza topping? I don't like pizza I saw you more. munching on a little slice. You know- it, was a, it was a regular. You saw it. Okay. I ordered a pizza is right before cheese? this block. Is it cheese, man? Jeez, I'd say, cheese, honestly, man. I'd say cheese, bacon. Cheese, man. Okay. Bacon's good. Uh when I go visit my dad in South Florida, uh they're they have French fries over pizza. So they literally wow. bake the French fries into the pizza. And that's a really nice topping, but it's not very common here. Out of the common toppings, I'd say bacon or nothing. Like just okay. normal cheese. Interesting. We're we're slowly but surely figuring out what everyone likes. Uh when we got uh KBBQ this weekend, it was really funny. We were cooking onions and we were like, that's Toph's favorite pizza topping. <laughs> So now next time I see bacon, I'll think that's Justin's favorite pizza topping. Maybe um, we'll get to that summit. Very maybe, maybe. Well, maybe we'll see if they can put fries on it or something. Or the function. <laughs> or the fun- yeah, true. There's there's so many opportunities for melee stats to have uh all this bacon pizza. Um but uh hey, speaking of, of you know, bacon pizza, that's something outside of Smash. Uh you've been on here long enough to know that we have a uh, unnamed segment. Um officially unnamed but but uh, everyone calls it touching grass this is a segment where we talk about what's been going on in our lives outside of melee i'll go first so you guys have some time to think um this past week i was at pound the last week i was at genesis and i really didn't have too much time in between Uh, but what one of the things i did do in my time in between going to each is i watched a movie well okay 
Let me let me go all the way back. On the way to Smash Camp? Yes, on the way to Smash Camp, I watched a movie from A24 called After Yang with Colin Farrell. It was a very good sci-fi-ish movie, I guess. It was just about this like very like emotional movie um, about a world with robots, like humanoid robots. It was very good. And in the in the movie, there is a song that plays every now and then by Mitski, and I've never heard before. I was like, this is a pretty good song. They just released it in full this past week, and I realized uh, online that they referred to it as a cover of an artist called Lily Choo Choo. I've never heard of Lily Choo Choo, so I look her up. It is a fake artist that they made up for a movie called All About Lily Choo Choo. I watched that movie, and in the movie, there's a frame that gets repurposed for one of my favorite albums of last year, which is uh, To See the Next Part of the Dream by Paranol. This is literally a frame for the movie that they like rotoscoped and redid. Um, so I thought that was really funny, but the one aspect of that whole little tiny weird rabbit hole is uh, I have been listening to the song that Mitski covered and the original called Glide. I've been listening to that like three or four times a day at least. It is a very good song, and it comes right at the end of the movie in a very emotional part, so it like uh, really hit me when I first heard it. So I guess I would recommend that. That's definitely the shortest recommendation that I've ever given because that is like a three and a half minute song as opposed to uh, like usually I recommend a whole movie or something or like a, you know something bigger. But uh, now that's going to be it for this week. The song Glide by Lily Choo Choo, the fake artist from the movie All About Lily Choo Choo, also covered by Mitski in the movie After Yang. So that's it for me. Edwin, what's going on with you? Uh, honestly, I've been doing so much in Smash. I haven't had much thought to uh, anything outside of it. Uh, I guess one thing that's kind of cool is I'm going to my spouse and I are going to see Typhoon tomorrow. So Typhoon is the name of the one Smasher. Of his... No, no, oh, okay. no. Uh, that, there's a band called Typhoon. Uh, my spouse they they love Typhoon a bunch. So we're going to see them tomorrow. Uh, other than that, I am going to. Uh, my in-laws have this big like multi-birthday get together planned but uh it's the day right after the function too so mm-hmm. i'm taking a so i'm taking a train from um from where i live right now to new york city but uh, my uh my train to uh rhode island which is where my in-laws live is at 7 a.m uh the next day so i'm not going to be able to like uh after the function too, I can't hang out with everyone too much because I'll have to go go back and uh, go to bed. But I'm pretty excited for that get together. It's like my side of the family, my my spouse's side of the family. There's gonna be a ton of like uh it's gonna be a ton of cake there, which I love. I'm a big cake fiend. What's your favorite so, type of cake? Um, I really like anything like pistachio y, but uh okay. honestly anything with like, like that. Yeah, I, I know it's kinda out there. Um I, I like anything with just like frosting, to be honest, like buttercream, van- vanilla frosting, pistachio, raspberry cakes. I like a lot. Um, banana cakes, if you can, make, if you've ever had those, are great. Um, yeah, I'm just a big cake guy. Although I might be more of a frosting guy, like thinking about it more. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've been pretty boring outside of Smash lately. Smash has just been like totally on my mind and in my day-to-day well i'm happy that you're gonna get some cake or i'm happy that you're gonna get some frosting whichever you like more um justin you obviously have been doing a lot in terms of getting into smash summit but has there been anything that you've been up to outside of all that 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I can say that I have been doing very much outside of Smash. Uh, my last couple of weeks have been pretty occupied with, you know, attending Pound, like campaigning for Summit, editing and releasing and filming 14 different skits. Yeah. Uh, so I've been very and coordinating all like of my, uh, you know, my campaign discord VIPs. It's, it's been booking stuff and also planning the function. So I've been like very occupied with smash. I normally try to come here with something that's outside of smash. I don't really have too much. I got something, but, uh, very much of an occupied with smash. And that's probably going to continue until early May. Cause I've got to start working on magic videos again. Got to plan the function. I got to plan the stuff for the people who are coming to the function um mango invited me to 0.5 mm. so i might have to change every single one of my flights and hotel and take another day off work and that's gonna be uh gotta plan all that so uh, i'm literally today is my break day and then wednesday is nightclub if i go to that if i'm not feeling good enough i'm just gonna take another break day and then thursday i'm just right back into it but things outside of smash so one of my uh, good friends from high school, the guy who originally taught me editing, his name is Jason, uh, also known as Geronimo. He does uh, motion effects and graphics for a living, video effects and video editing as well for a living. He's done stuff for Imagine Dragons as well as really? Rocky. Yeah. And he's, he's like a professional Marvel stuff, I'm pretty sure. Like just uh, things, a lot of things. Some things I can't really talk about. <laughs> but um, he helped me a bunch with uh, the skits and stuff, but he's also my high school friend, like I mentioned, and I haven't seen him in a very long time. So I, on April 9th, went to visit him at his house, and we filmed stuff for eight hours. And another one of my high school friends, his name is Sam, uh, also known as Lawa, he came to help film. Additionally, at uh, Super Smash Con, uh, not Super Smash Con, at Pound, my other friend from high school, Ryan, uh, we I saw him as well. So I've been just seeing, just coincidentally, just a bunch of my high school friends and just catching up with them, and it's been really cool seeing, you know, what they've been up to, what they've done after graduating college, uh, like studying for masters or, you know, uh, being trained as a, something with like medical now and training for like nursing or, you know, making waves in the motion graphics industries and such. So just really, really cool catching up with them. And then on the late night of April 9th, which was Starstruck Day, I went to get Korean barbecue with a bunch of the NJ scene because. The uh, Starstruck venue, which is very nice. Uh, it's next to a Korean barbecue place. A Fuzzy Pixel. I was trying to remember who hosted it. It was hosted by Fuzzy Pixel at their venue. Shouts to Fuzzy Pixel. And uh, we went to a KBBQ place. And there was I'm, I'm the kind of person who listens to a song on repeat. Repeatedly. Like throughout a day. Instead of listening to a playlist. And this place, basically, they would switch between a K-pop song and what I would refer to as white people music. So... It would be a K-pop song and then Ariana Grande and then a K-pop song and then Ed Sheeran. And it's like very obvious what they were doing. And one of the songs that play, and I'm not much of a K-pop person, not that I dislike K-pop or anything. A lot of my friends, because they play it like Eternal Return, a Korean MOBA. Uh, they all listen or are Korea booze. A lot of them are very into like Korean culture. One of them, uh, named Rabbit House, which has Rabbit House, he used to live in New York. He literally moved to Korea to try to work for Nimble Neuron and is currently teaching English there. Damn. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, I'm going on tirade. I listened, I heard a song, and I really liked that one song. And it was Psycho by Red Velvet. And I've heard Red Velvet songs before. Like, I, I like Russian Roulette, but I've never really been familiar with them. And I listened to Psycho, and I was like, well, this song is sick. So I started, like, listening to a bunch of Red Velvet. So I've been listening to a bunch of Red Velvet recently. So that's that's my other thing. I've been just getting into and listening to uh, Red Velvet's music. 
maybe you'll be really good at ultimate now. Ooh, that's true. Maybe. I think they all like twice, but I've seen some red velvet love, but I think twice is the main squeeze for a lot of them. We'll see. We'll see. I uh, Just gotta pick up a sword character. Sword character. I know Ice beat is ten years good. younger. <laughs> I know Big D beat Meister at Genesis because I, I just like following Ice Climbers in general. And Big D is also a really cool player and a melee plot guy. And I met him when I was visiting Vancouver back when I was like a one and tour. He's mm-hmm. just a nice guy. So always like seeing him do well. So maybe I pick up Ice Climbers or a sword character in Ultimate and just get into Red Velvet a lot. And uh, we'll see who knows. Eight pop profile picture at Summit. Who knows where that'll take you. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll be going to Summit, so that is an exciting thing. I'll, I will be seeing you there. I know we kind of mentioned. I don't know if we mentioned that on the podcast, but I am one of your your uh, cronies who was able to make it in. So I appreciate that. Uh, but I also appreciate you being on the show. We had a very fun episode. Definitely hit the two hour mark a little bit ago. So uh, yeah, a little a little bit long, but not no longer than we normally do. So I appreciate three fifths of the way there until I get my uh, my reward. Yes, yes, you're the three-timers club, so we're able to have you on again. Of course, the four-timers club, we do not have on again because we just can't be having – we can't be giving away all these jackets. So uh, happy to talk to you in the future whenever that may be. But until then, where can people find you? Uh, well, you'll find me at Smash Summit in a few weeks. True. You'll also <laughs> find me at The Function on NYC Melee uh, on May 7th. Additionally, you can find me on Twitter at DarkGenX, uh, YouTube – my YouTube is just dark. I'm pretty sure it's just dark genix as well. It might be dark genix smash on YouTube. Actually. Uh, I've got all my links on darkgenix.com. I posted 11 or 10, uh, skits on my YouTube as well as on my Twitter. So if you want to see those, make sure to check them out. I'm also pretty sure that the last time I talked to you was before I started doing the fish videos. I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember. I think you might've just started. I might've yeah. just started. Yeah. It was after, it was after smash world tour, right? Uh, it was Probably. 10 episodes ago whenever that lands us yeah, yeah and i'm pretty sure that whatever but regardless so i make fish videos every week using the spongebob voice that are called this week in melee and spongebob fish says breaking news and tells you the weekly news and you can find that on twitter on youtube on tiktok and on facebook melee hell and on reddit i've been posting them literally everywhere so uh every week you want your melee news uh go there very good. And yeah, if you want to find us um, on YouTube, you can just us Melee Stats. That's where we're going to have our long-form content. So our video essays are going to be over there. You can also go while you're on there to Melee Stats Archive. That's where episodes of this is going to be posted. And uh, I think we have some other like, hand-recorded sets. So we, we might upload some on there. We've got some Pipsqueak from this past event, um, our sponsor player. So nice. maybe those will go up on there as well. Uh, if you want to catch episodes of these while they're live, you can do so on twitch.tv slash Melee Stats. Follow us over on Twitter at Melee Stats Pod. We're going to be posting result tweets. We're also going to have links to the articles that we put out, such as uh, Monday Morning Marth and Wednesday Melee. Those articles are going to be over on MeleeStats.co, so you can find them there. And if you just love everything you do and you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon.com slash Melee Stats. Justin, thank you so much for being on. I Enjoy talking to you so much, but also I will enjoy seeing you in person at Summit 13. Congratulations on everything. And uh, we will be seeing you soon. And we will be seeing you soon as well, viewers. I know we didn't talk about LTC, but uh, maybe we'll you know, we'll talk about it next week. We're, soon we're going to go bi-weekly, but there's, it's a little too juicy. So we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.